In a world of relentless cinematic action, where violence is the only language, and only the baddest survive, four friends, a hard-boiled cop. Diving through the air, carrying two guns, chewing on a toothpick, while also carrying a baby, maybe even also covered in flour. A fearsome pirate. Worst super team ever. A vengeful ninja. Ghost, what are you gonna do after school? Do you wanna come and have a few beers? Now I'm gonna practice swords. And a streetwise renegade. The moment we find out that one of us here is an alien, I'm gonna get the shotgun out. And I don't give a fuck which one of you it is. We'll be united by cinematic fate. Their mission, to search for the meanest, sexiest, and coolest ultimate action hero in The Last Action Heroes Podcast. We are The Last Action Heroes, a podcast dedicated to ranking the very best and worst of cinema's superhuman men and women. We rank our heroes on a set of criteria, then accumulate their scores to find out their position on our prestigious leaderboard. Currently sitting at the very top with a seemingly untouchable score of 90-something out of 100, we have T-800 and Sarah Connor from the 90s action blockbuster Terminator 2. This episode, it's the Warriors' chance to see where they place on our last action heroes leaderboard. So for all you boppers out there in the big city, are you street people with an ear for the action? My name is Leon, and today I am joined by my gang of opinionated podcasters. We have Deathblow Dan. Can you dig it? We have Beatdown Bjorn. Hey, I've been hauling ass. Okay. And we have <laughs> Yakuza Jesper. I'm going to shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. <laughs> so follow us on all the usual social accounts and join us as we deep dive this cult classic favorite. It is time for the Warriors to come out and play. Hit me with the soundbite. So you think you've got style? As we jump into style, I first wanted to check with you guys what your gang style would be if you were a gang in New York City. Uh, Jesper, who've you got? Okay, so we are the whispers. We are the voice inside your head calling to you softly from the shadows of the city, whispering into your very soul. Veiled in darkness, you will never see us, but you will hear us there in the furthest and darkest recesses of your mind. As you lay down in your sleep or walk along the empty alleyways, we are the voice in the dark feeding you half-truth and near lies wrapped in silk and velvet, sowing the seeds of mistrust, anxiety, and fear manipulating you to our bidding, pulling your strings and watching you dance to our silent tune, turning against your brothers and your warlords, abandoning your turf, destroying yourselves willingly and gladly, mindless slaves to our endless whispers. That is, if you could actually hear us from all that bloody awful disco and punk racket you keep <laughs> blasting out aloud, could you please turn that shit down, please? We can't hear ourselves think or whisper, damn it. It's like psychological warfare rather than <laughs> fists and kicks. Exactly. Honestly, good luck following that, guys. Dan, what have you got? Fuck's sake, I didn't want to follow that. 
Uh, we are the nerds. No longer <laughs> will the prey be preyed upon. We will become the predators. We will grab our Dungeons and Dragons books. We'll grab our magician's hats. We're going to come out and bring the fight to you in New York City. <laughs> and just right. don't fight us too hard because we might have an asthma attack. All right, nerds. <laughs> um, Bjorn, what's your gang? My gang is Jive Turkis. We're talking the tongue. <laughs> And on the dance floor too. When it comes to partying, nobody does it better than the Jive Turkeys. <laughs> Feeling blue? Join the Jive Turkeys and let us show you a good time. Disco <laughs> is dead. Flamboyant and colorful outfits, picks up vintage and modern styles that reflects our love of retro fashion. <laughs> ah, the, the stylish Jive Turkeys. So are we going to have a bit of a gang war here going on? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, go, 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 fight. <laughs> Who brought baseball bats? <laughs> we are the sticks. We're known for carrying sticks and we fight with them. Sometimes we shave the ends to make them really pointy or we dip them in dog poops and we wave them at our enemies <laughs> because no gang is willing to go up against a shitty stick. <laughs> and with that, let's jump into the style of the warriors. Uh, we have a gang of eight hardened thugs ready to take on the vibe. Violence of the night. Who would like to begin? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll jump in. I mean, these guys are, are cool as fuck, really, aren't they? I mean, it's a pretty iconic look that they give you know, with these red blazing sort of vests that they've got. I love that no one wears anything under these vests either, like apart from cowboy. But, you know, they, they live in New York. It's not exactly known for like temperate weather, I guess, is it? Yeah. And you also have Ajax, freezing. who kind of has this weird kind of, was it like a leotard or something like that, like yeah. underneath, um, which looks uh, which looks quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. Kick-ass. Leather waistcoats with their, their, what would you call it, like their symbol emblazoned on the back. I think considering around them, you've got people who wear like clown makeup or dungarees. <laughs> yeah. It's like, actually, yeah. if you compare them to the other gangs, yeah, they're pretty fucking cool. We've got people with like sequin hats and stuff. These guys yeah. seem badass in comparison. Yeah, they feel like, like a biker gang almost in a way. Like just yeah, the leathers and the patch yeah, and stuff. And the, and, the, and the logo on the back, yeah. Yeah. It's like a biker gang. And it's also fun, like even though they are as this unit, but they still have their own individual styles um, as well. You know, you have Vermin who's, who's kind of got, you know, he's He's got like the the jeans on. I think he's got like a leather wristband or something like that. And then you have Cleon with this funny kind of desert ban desert bandana. And you have Cochise, who's my yeah. absolute favorite, who yeah, is like I love full that on style. You know, he's like he's so awesome. He's got all this accessory and headbands and stuff like dangling off the vest yeah. and everything like that. And yeah, it's he's just, like a Jimi Hendrix, like totally. with a native twist or something. He's it's fucking amazing. It's so totally. Cool. And then you have Snow, who has this amazing, almost kind of you know symmetrically perfect afro going and the, mm. the, the you know you know the hairband and everything yeah. Again. and uh, yeah i just think that they're really really cool it's also quite funny because none of the other gangs they seem to have that individual style oh, going yeah. for them like you know yeah. they're a lot more kind of uniformed yeah yeah, uniform, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. i had a theory around that so like i think the film stylizes individuals they want you to focus on and, and kind of connect with so everyone mm. in the warriors you need to believe their plight so they need to feel individual whereas a lot of the other gangs they're not on screen for long enough for you to really make True. that connection so they're just kind of very, very uniform True. It's the same with like with mercy like she's the only one in the whole film who's wearing something that's like bright pink because they want you to connect with yeah. her or, or the yeah. leader of the um the baseball furies yeah who's got the yeah. really like imposing yellow and black face like. yeah and again like luther the rogues he's the only one in his gang who stands out as being different so yeah or the leader yeah. of the punks who wears roller skates and none of the rest of them do yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true and you also have it in the riffs as well you know you have uh, what's his name uh, cyrus who has this sort of uh it kind of feels like sort of this silky you know morning gown he's wearing yeah. but then his <laughs> His replacement, it's a his smoking jacket. In, the smoking jacket, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You also then have his, uh, who I presume would be his second in command, who then kind of takes over the the guy with the shades and this kind of sparkly black 
you know, velvety jacket. It's like a prerequisite that you have to look seriously fucking stylish if you're going to lead the yeah. riffs. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't <laughs> just turn up in denim, like, and a vest, you know, that's only for the warriors. That dude kept making me laugh because he talks like a Terrence and Philip character. His bottom jaw never moves. Who are the warriors? He he moves like everything his face, his neck, his chest muscles, and but like not his everything. Bottom jaw. That stays still. Yeah. <laughs> we seem to have jumped straight from style to nemesis. This is yep. a good start. Come on, drag this one, clawing back. Okay, so beyond their waistcoats, which I think is the easy identif- easily identifiable bit, what about their fighting style? You know, what are our thoughts on these guys? It's a lot of punches and kicks. It is, mm. yeah, yeah, like melee weapons as well when they get the chance, like some, you know, iron bars and broken bottles and shit. They'll just use whatever is handy, I guess. Though they do make the cars, the... The go on spit it out you got they it didn't, they, didn't come, they don't come packed they said so it does make you wonder if they do generally come packed any other time so mm. yeah i think yeah. they would i think there was a rule wasn't there that when everyone attended the park you weren't allowed to take weapons and because yeah. everyone else is now back in their borough but the warriors aren't they're the only ones who are now ill-equipped for the the night ahead yes yeah, it's, it's very raw and kind of unrefined fighting style it's very much like a street style you know like yeah. they don't have like a formal training in in fighting it yeah. kind of feels like they're sort of like you know opportunistic fighters in the sense that you know they will grab a pipe and that will become a weapon they will grab a piece you know a, you know shot of glass and, and that will become a weapon a bottle and a bottle and so on it also in their fighting techniques like they each have their own techniques like ajax is just pure power swan seems to have a little bit slightly more elegance to it vermin would likely kind of fight dirty i think cleon and some part snow they feel a bit more once it's a wannabe martial artist, like they probably picked up some moves yeah. from watching wow. too many Bruce, yeah, yeah, from watching too many Bruce Lee movies or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're also a lot older. Well, no, maybe not than all of them, but they, they seem more like, um, what would be the word? Not necessarily older, more experienced. More yeah. experienced, yeah. They, yeah. I think they would have probably been sort of more of the, f- you know, founding members of it or um, sort of like they, like they, like you're right, you, you get the feeling they've lived this life longer mm-hmm. than yeah. say Rembrandt, for instance. I think there's also like something, and I don't know if this falls like under style, but sort of the fact that their, you know, their turf is Coney Island, um, yeah, which is like completely like at the other end of New York. York, you know, like every group, you can clearly see they must come from these very specific parts of New York. I think, uh, was it the Riffs? I've forgotten the name now. The, the Gramercy Riffs. Yeah, which presumably is Gramercy Park, I think, uh, which is probably sort of part of their turf. So, And uh, and I don't know if where they come from, their turf kind of helps shapes them as well in terms of who they are and how they dress and what their, you know, kind of what their style is. Yeah. Mm. I didn't realise that uh, Coney Island, the beach there is called Brighton Beach. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah, I live next to a Brighton Beach, but definitely not the same one. So. That explains. <laughs> the waistcoats yeah, yeah some slightly different vests around here so <laughs> they're definitely not all fighters like some of them are more like you know like ajax and swan yeah and vermin but then you have like Rembrandt. Rembrandt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is kind of what I wanted to touch on a bit in the charisma section, but I found myself initially on first viewing of the film. It's like, you've got all these guys who are like, you know, seasoned fighters, they're great. And then they bring Cowboy and Rembrandt. I'm like, what function do these guys perform? You've got like the marketing guy and the accountant or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine. They go on this mission, they bring their accountant. It's like, no, please don't, you know, ruin that. Oh, that's going to cost yeah. us. Like, oh, the train tickets, we don't have enough money <laughs> yeah. to get home. It's, be- it's because of the accountant that they didn't give a waistcoat to Mercy. 
Because he's like, oh, we, we can't afford to replace that one. Stretch out and watch that leg already. Also, on Rembrandt, he is the that is the most overplayed name of all of them. Like, considering he's probably the worst graffiti writer in the city. Like, and he makes like one tag or a burner, I think they call them. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's or just a like tombstone that no one's going to see. Like, anyway. like, what's the point? Yeah, I've seen your graffiti writing. We'll call you Rembrandt. Like, Rembrandt. Take a piss. I think that's also a part of style. At least I think it's sort of part of style. Is what I'm really like fascinated about with the warriors the movie like as a whole is the world like it's kind of like this microcosm and you know the gang life it presents um in general like you know like every gang they have a very unique style and name um they have their own kind of separate rituals presumably like fighting style there's always like something instantly recognizable about them and i really like sort of that they have that like their own lingo like you know you go soldier and you're and you're the war chief and you do a burner we need to do another bop and uh, stuff like that and i think that's uh, i think that's quite fascinating you know? yeah this is something i i had in my notes for for the film later on but it felt to me similar to like a clockwork orange where they do a similar thing there's this there's this whole lingo this yeah. whole language and they it just serves to build the environment and the storytelling it's you kind of believe this world it's yeah it's cool totally strong visual identity everything's yeah. got a strong identity to it mm. yeah also on some of the things you were saying there like the the war chief and stuff i quite like that the warriors style they are quite a good military organization they've got a leader they've got ranks you know they know how to when to run when to work together i think they're pretty solid at what they do if you think about the mission they're on they're pretty yeah. solid like you know they've got a surprising lot amount of discipline also yeah. like uh, you know like Ajax is constantly trying to challenge Swan for power and you know he's clearly sort of the chaotic like element and just want to go and wreck shit but still he follows what the warlord or war chief um, says uh, says and does and I think that really shows that they definitely have respect for their ranks there's a hierarchy there isn't there there's a hierarchy, there's a hierarchy. Yeah. so Cleon so was the leader before he got killed he was yeah he's war chief yeah and then I think the second in command is called Warlord, or is it the other way around, or 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 maybe they just use some kind of yeah. Know, I was just wondering if it if it if it went down then to wet far Rembrandt. Yeah. Intern. All right, I'll go wrap up the style. Unless you've got anything essential on this. I've got two things, actually. Um, of course you have. This. Sometimes we talk about vehicles. <laughs> These guys ride a uh, graffiti-strewn uh, metro train, <laughs> which I think that definitely yeah. deserves to be mentioned. And just an additional thing as well, I think the cool thing about the Warriors is it really just embodies the cultural melting pot that is New York. Just It's, it's cool to just see a variety of different people within the group. Definitely. And now I'm going to wrap up style. Yep. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for this round, I'm going to say Bjorn, you can start. Yeah, the style of the Warriors is it's very gritty. It's very like kind of urban aesthetic, uh, neon lights. And it's in New York for sure, like the 1970s New York kind of punk, hip hop, you know, a lot of different um, stylish elements. Yeah, it's very distinctive. Yeah, so I would say it's a very, it's a very um, stylish film and the characters have their own like characteristics. So yeah, I think I'm going to go with a score of four. Okay, so four. I'm not sure if you ranked... The city, the film, all the characters there, kind but we'll roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything. But I would yeah. say like like the the warriors themselves, like they, they each have like their own distinctive style. Like some of them look a little bit similar or they're not as stand out. I'm going to stop you, Bjorn. You've, yeah. you've, <laughs> you're taking this far enough. <laughs> uh, Dan, what have you got? Yeah, so in a, in a film as stylish as this, as, as Bjorn was uh, elaborating on there, uh, it's cool to see that the Warriors uh, stand out and feel unique within this film. They've got a really iconic look. It's recognisable amongst cult film fans and cinephiles. Perhaps not as mainstream as some other stuff that we've done on the show um, previous, but it's definitely, um, if you know, you know. And then, yeah, in terms of you know, everything else, like whether it's using the grimy New York subway as a gym or bopping their way from station to station, the Warriors are smooth and cool and the city is their playground. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of the impressive barnets on display throughout this movie. So 
it's a 4.5. 4.5, nice. Yakuza Jesper, what have you got? Yes. So the Warriors are all about style. Like style is such an integral part of uh, of this movie's allure and legacy and the fascination you feel for this underworld. Uh, it's instantly uh, recognizable at the last action hero's fancy dress gala, even by people who might not have seen the film um, at all and won't really make the direct, uh, direct connection. They will still know they've seen this look like somewhere and they will see and appreciate the uniqueness of it. I often speak about how I'm fascinated by the worlds or the subcultures that some of our movies inhabit, you know, the language, the rituals, and how this shapes the inhabitants um, of these worlds and their um, and their and their behaviors. And I think The Warriors is a class A study into just such a world. And I keep finding these little details in the language and the way they are, or, you know, visual cues and stuff like that. And that's in part why I keep on coming back to this movie. So yeah, it's a solid four for me on style. Um, for me, look, branded waistcoats and ready to throw down fists. This bunch of thugs literally fought their way across the city. It's just a shame that they spent so much time running. They are smart and dangerous, but not quite bad enough in their style. But I'm going to give them a four. Strong start. Strong start, indeed. Next one is charisma. Who needs friends anyway? The Warriors do. When you're a warrior, you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah they, 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 they definitely do. <laughs> no great action hero, or in our case, heroes, can survive the top ranks of our leaderboard without the personality to back up their feats of danger. So let's see if the Warriors have what it takes. Who do we think is the most charismatic of the crew? Mm. I would say Vermin. Yeah, Vermin or Ajax, possibly. Ajax is yeah. an asshole. He's, he's that guy you kind of, you hate him, but he's also quite funny. Like, he's a total dickhead, but he's got some great lines and yeah, he's, he's fun. He's sort of a bully in reverse, almost. Like, you know, yeah. he's mean to everyone outside of his close little-knit group of uh, of friends. And if you were to dwell on Ajax for, um, for a bit, I think there's something that really speaks much to his character is when they're being chased by the baseball furies and Cowboy is coming really close to giving up and as they're running you may not have noticed it but Ajax is sort of reaching back and sort of giving him these little like slaps in the back to yeah. kind of make him uh, make him run faster and it works for a time but then Cowboy just almost collapses they're exhausted yeah and you know rightfully so and then Ajax you know he could have just run on and just left him but no he stops and goes right then I finally get an excuse to to actually fight which I think speaks very much to the loyalty that he does have like even though they he look is, out uh, for each other yeah, yeah definitely well also I think it's that excuse because from the very very start he's like <laughs> For it. Yeah, why the fuck are we running? Let's oh, go. Exactly. Let's fight. So I, I think that wins. opportunity where Cowboy is exhausted and drops to his knees for Ajax. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Let's fucking I'm fight. <laughs> yeah, man. He is an asshole though. Like a proper asshole. Oh yeah, he is. So can I just uh, posit the thing I mentioned in, in Star before about the hierarchy and everything? So I, I came across this um I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I came across I came across this article uh, which basically kind of gives you an idea of the, the the functions each member performs within the gang. And we've got to remember that this is just nine delegates of a larger gang so they're not all necessarily you know it's not just this core group there's a there's a bigger gang at, uh, at work here but we have cleon who we've already established as the warlord so he's the leader and swan would later become warlord he, he's second in command but then you also have um Kochais and vermin and also snow who are branded as lieutenants so they must own their own bunch of guys within the gang unit somewhere and then ajax and snow are both listed as being heavy muscle so they're the big fighters for sure those two are mm, cowboy yeah. is just uh, listed as a soldier barely but then this one i found was quite interesting Fox is known as a scout, which suddenly makes sense when you watch the film because at the very start with the whole gang uh, meeting, he's the first one to go down the front and check out what's going on. And he's the yeah. first one when they're on the run to go out and be scoping things out. And he's also shit in a fight. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Well, so is Cowboy. Like, But you kind of like, once you understand what their their functions are within the gang, this this hierarchy, you st and you start to watch the film a few times, you start to see them making these actions within the film and it starts to make sense. But I thought this was quite interesting. There is actually um, sort of uh, riffing off the 
back of that, there is an interesting alternative cut to the opening of this movie, which takes place at Coney Island during the day, where Cleon is actually kind of appointing roles for each of the warriors. Like he says, you know, Fox, uh, Fox, you're going to be scout. I think uh, actually Snow is being told to carry their ghetto blaster and blast them blast them too and so, um, so everyone knows that the warriors are coming but then they're like oh fuck it bring Rembrandt instead he can just tag everything yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you're right like it's like it's very interesting to see that even a gang who you know seems like they might be all chaotic and they're all about you know just going out and trashing stuff they actually have these you know these ranks and these you know they actually have this order within their uh, within their um, within their chaos. Again, speaks to the fascination of it. Uh, I think for sure, there's like this whole political ethic to the youth culture. It's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't see the the alternate cut. I've only seen this cut with the comic strip opening, which I love that opening. By the way, like that first Second five it. minutes of the film is fucking a masterclass in setting up a movie. Like within five minutes, you've had a montage. Totally. You know every single person, roughly what their personality is and how they fit within the group, and exactly what they're about to do, or within a few f- moments of dialogue. It's absolutely brilliant. And it's cool as fuck. And it's cool as fuck. That tune. It I looks love that amazing. tune. <laughs> yeah. There's also that slight funny moment where uh, I think it's Ajax that says that uh, there's probably not going to be anyone there. And then they cut <laughs> yeah. to this massive <laughs> gathering <laughs> of everyone there. Of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just amazing. Um, so look, beyond Ajax, who we've agreed is, you know, he's a tough guy. He looks out for his friends. He's always up for a fight, but he's a little bit of a prick. I think we should talk about Swan as well, who mm. becomes mm. our leader for not only the gang, but for the film. I don't like Swan. Basically, I find him quite a bit of a prick and quite cold. I think some of the dialogue he has towards Mercy doesn't seem to fit him. Like that would be something that I would expect coming from Ajax. Mm. And I think the whole relationship he has with Mercy and sort of how those two start to develop is one of sort of the weaker parts of the movie uh, for me. And there's just something about Swan. There's some kind of coldness to it and some kind of like... I I think it's because he's the leader. Right, like he he needs yeah. to be calm and collected under the pressure that they're in. Yeah. So he can't he can't really uh, afford to like fool around with this girl. So like, I'm gonna counter both of these a little bit, or, or talk about them both, because I think he is a good leader. I think he keeps the troops behind him. Mm. He gets them all on board. They all listen to him. He knows when to act, when not to. But what you were saying, Jesper, where you said you don't like him and it doesn't really suit him, the bit I disagree with there is like I also think he's a bit of an arsehole and I don't like how he talks to Mercy. But the only reason we think it doesn't suit him is I think because he's a bit pretty. But really, mm. he's the leader of a gang. Mm. Do you mm. know what I mean? He, there's no reason he wouldn't be that arsehole. But I think because they've picked like this tall, slim, muscular, good-looking, long, blonde-haired guy, you assume he's going to be like the strong, lo- you know, leader that, with good morals. But no, he's a, he's a prick. They are. They're a gang. Yeah. They, yeah. They've gone to fight their way through the city. None she of them should She doesn't exactly endear herself to them on that first meet either, does well, she? Well, she's an she's asshole too. <laughs> I think my problem with Swan there is that, I mean, I, I mean, I do think that on one hand, he is a very efficient leader and he has found himself in an absolute shitty situation and their primary goal is now to get the fuck back to Coney Island. And I think he says it quite rightfully, like when they get to the first train after having escaped the um, turnbulls is that he says when we get there that's when we'll celebrate which is like yes you know you need to keep your troops focused because the, you can sort of feel that they're starting to loosen up a little bit um, a little bit too much so that i totally respect him for and you know he's also a good brawler and everything but there is still this kind of coldness so i think the way that he at least the way that it's cut in the uh, in the movie the way that he seems to just simply abandon ajax um and you know just sort of let him go doesn't speak too well to him
him either, um, I don't think. No, no, I agree. But that's what I mean. I think they're, they're arseholes. They're gang members. I, th- that's what I mean about his visual, I think, leads you into thinking, oh, he, he might be the goody because he looks like a good person. But no, yeah. they're, all, they're all assholes. Oh, yeah. He's an I mean, asshole to mercy entirely. I do wonder if it's a difficult for decision for him to make to leave Ajax as well, because the guy's done nothing but cause fucking trouble so far. Yeah. The night. Well, and try and square up to him as well. At some point, yeah, to ensure the survival of the rest of those gang members, he's going to have to cut that guy loose if he keeps getting them into trouble. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the weakest link for sure. Like, but uh, also bear in mind, he doesn't just cut him loose. He says, I'll go and find the others while you go and get him. So it's not like he's yeah. just like, oh, fuck him, leave him. Yeah, so we've yeah. got so much to do here. You do mm. your bit, I'll do my bit. But yeah, I could see why he doesn't like Ajax much. Ajax yeah. was being, just like five minutes ago, <laughs> trying to overpower him and take him out. Yeah, exactly. There is actually, you know what you're saying there then, there is also another another deleted scene there, which is only a couple of seconds, like when they're all meet up uh, later on. Swan, he does express regret of not having trying to done more to save Ajax. And I and I do think that warms him up um, a bit, but sadly that wasn't uh, put in the movie. I think Swan and Mercy's relationship is interesting as well, because it's, it's not healthy at all. It's toxic. No. But th- no. I think they're both quite similar people like they've both learned to survive in a rough city and the way they treat each other is just the way they have learned to treat people yeah and they're both quite you know he's protective of her but never never really nice to her no it's like his actions are protective but the way he speaks to her is fucking awful but she does the same to him yeah they're just all pretty bad people really (laughs) so just a question on mercy and it's something that sort of slightly it's a wonderment but I'm not extinct but I'm not exactly sure and it never really sort of was was clear to me like what is exactly that mercy wants like does she just want like something to happen like you know she wants to live the life she has right now or what is it like her motivation is I think she has dreams of uh, a better life for herself she clearly comes from a very kind of disadvantaged background Mm. and she's basically made her way through life i think by just kind of hopping from one personal place to the next just to kind of better her life and i think that's kind of where it is with the orphans like the orphans are you know one of the lower level gangs they're not respected she's just sick of being with orphans she wants to be with a cooler gang yeah (laughs) i think she's looking for excitement man yeah that's exactly it she's looking just to move on and just improve where she is i think yeah Yeah. a bit of excitement in the city these bad boys come through one of them's good looking she hooks up with him turns out they're both dickheads and they treat each other like dickheads yeah (laughs) swan says something like i don't like the way you live your life or something like that and then Mm. she says something like you know i'm just trying to you know, enjoy, basically to enjoy her life, like given the cards, it, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like the cards she's been dealt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. I think there's the scene later on the train as well, where there's it's the the scene is you know you need to kind of it's kind of un, underrated, I guess, or people don't really appreciate it for what it is. But there's the scene where the well-to-dos or whoever they've just come from a prom and they sit opposite them on the oh, train yeah. and they kind of stare each other out. And there's no dialogue in that scene, but those looks and those you know that interaction just says everything without words. You know, it's a complete class divide and you can kind of see that this is kind of like it almost feels like you know she sat there almost feeling like she might have to prove herself to these people or yeah. like this might be the life she wanted yeah she tries to tidy her herself up uh, a bit uh, yeah that like bit you- where he like he stops her doing that and he's yeah, like yeah don't change yourself for these yes. people. Don't yeah, pretend exactly. you're someone you're not. It does, And I quite like that. They've never yeah, been yeah. through the stuff you've been through. Like, you know, you should be proud of the background you come from, even if it's not the same as theirs. So it's, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. It's, it's an amazing scene. And I think it says a lot about her as a character. Mm. Yeah. Um. Anything more on their charisma? Or I'm going to push us through and we'll get onto the nemesis. Just one, I, like, I really like 
sort of this double act between vermin and Cochise, especially when they're being rounded up by the Lissies. Like, you know, yeah. those two, they seem to have, you know, they bring some lads. joy and some warmth into it. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, they're proper lads. Like, you know, hey, we're going to get some girls and have some fun. And I really like the double act there is between those two. Vermin cracks me up. He's got the most expressive face. Like, his eyes are just really <laughs> expressive. It's yeah. Just, yeah, he's funny. Exactly. It really is. I can't understand how he ended up in a gang, you know. He just doesn't seem like a yeah, fighter like, lads, in lads, any lads way. kind of guy, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> I think he just happened to live in the same area as them, so they gave him a waistcoat. <laughs> and also that name, like Vermin, like, you know. What, yeah. Yeah, he's quite built, though, yeah. well, compared to some of them. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I've watched this film many, many times over the years. For the first few years, I thought he was called Merlin. Merlin? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's in my gang, the nerds. <laughs> he is, yeah, exactly. He's a level 42 mage. The, the, the other one that I think is funny is, is Cowboy, really, because he might as well not be in the film. Yeah, exactly. yeah I don't understand his function in this film. He's, at he's all. got a hat, he's there. <laughs> He he basically cool. cannon fodder. Yeah. <laughs> or baseball fodder. He can't run, outrun anybody. And the moment he gets into a fight, he's battered on his ass straight away. And that's yeah. all you see him do. He's got a hat. He's an accountant. <laughs> There's a pretty funny you know, moment. Like and like they're on the um, uh, train heading back and uh, you know, it's you know, it's the last ride before they get to Coney Island and they're all, you know, tired. Uh, Rembrandt's asleep, and then you have Cowboy who's sort of snuggling up to this baseball that he's taken, you know, just like flat out yeah, like, the, I like the that seats, too. you know, just sleeping like a baby. It's just like, aw, little cowboy. <laughs> all right, we're wrapping it up. Scores. Let's start with Bjorn. You're up this time. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it short. It's my score is three. That's it? Is that, that, is that the no, answer? no, I'm, I'm elaborating a little bit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but basically, I don't feel like the all of the members, like, as a, as a group, as a whole, they don't all really stand out. So, like, there's Swan, Ajax, Cowboy, Vermin, I would say, uh, and Cochise that kind of stands out to me. I think it's Cochise. It's Cochise. Cochise. Yeah. Cochise Named yeah. after an Apache leader. But the rest, yeah, there's nothing really that, you know, you kind of forget about them in, in, in the sense throughout the movie. So yeah, that's that's why my score is, is a three. All right, cool. And Dan, what have you got? So on the surface, the Warriors are a gang with a reputation. They're seemingly quite well known throughout New York. Um, but you dig under the hood a little bit and we've got a bunch of guys here who each have a very unique personality that helps them not only stand out as part of the group, but also contributes to that group as a whole, if that makes sense. I think there are some moments that do let it down. They are a bit assholey to Mercy, as we've mentioned. Ajax is a bit of a dickhead and just some of the general kind of, I guess, gang or youth kind of culture around the whole thing is a bit abrasive in some senses but at the end of the day they all kind of stand out and you all kind of believe in their plight and i think everybody has a favorite member of the gang which kind of think speaks volumes to their charisma um so for me that's a 3.5 cool 3.5 yes but unwavering loyalty and discipline are all part of the warriors code for the um for the initiated um when you're in your family and you know your fellow warriors will uh, will have your back um, no matter what but for the outsiders you're met with mistrust and clenched jaws and ice cold stares uh, such as the world they live in this is how they survive in Fear City, where a bop can come at any time and from anywhere if you let your guard down. And I can totally uh, respect that. But as a viewer, it does start to grind on you a bit. Like everyone is so dire, even unpleasant, with the exception of partly Cochise and especially Vermin, who brings some much needed charm, humor, and a bit of warmth and humanity into an otherwise cold and unforgiving world. So my score is a three. So for me, a product of their environment, I think they excel at being a militant squad. However, when their individual personalities do shine through, more often than not, they're a bunch of assholes. 2.5. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you got beef. And what is a hero without a nemesis? How do we think the city of New York and its inhabitants fare as the nemesis of our film? 
So this is an interesting one because you seem to have so many different ones. Like, you know, you have Luther, uh, who's the leader of the gang, the, the rogues. rogues. The rogues, mm -hmm. who the rogues. first seems to be like, this is like this is the main bad guy yeah. um, but then he kind of like once he shot Cyrus uh, he kind of him and the rogues they kind of disappear a bit and then it's all the other gangs that kind of are chasing uh, the warriors on the orders of the Gramercy Rifts which presumably is the most powerful gang and then the rogues they just kind of sort of dip in and out um, uh, a lot they're so. not a very strong gang either no, no. they're not anyway I was saying they look like members of the YMCA uh, like the village yeah. people <laughs> they like, are being led by like a hammer yeah. uh, Rudy like <laughs> yeah it's a funny one with them because Luther is quite a charismatic little dude and they sort of set him up to be this this like psycho totally but all the guys behind him are flakes like Cleon punches out three of them yeah. straight away at the start yeah. and they don't really do much we get this strange thing where whenever we cut to Luther he's on the phone yes. to somebody any thoughts on who the hell he's talking to on the phone? I have a, I have a theory on that. Who have you got? I think it might be his youth worker. A lot of the... Ah, at some yeah. point, Fox mentions that uh, some of the gangs have youth workers yeah, yeah. that they report to. Uh, and then also the book itself is written... Uh, sorry, the, the Warriors is based on a book, but the book is written by a youth worker as well. So I wonder if that's some sort of Easter egg to that. I mean, it's strange that they never kind of really pick up on it or anything's kind of really developed from yeah. it. But, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping for much more ridiculous answers, but there we go. It's just a youth worker. <laughs> I, actually I thought that Maybe the cops, because the cops do suddenly turn up out of nowhere at the start and cause that whole fucking thing after yeah. Cyrus is shot. But yeah, or possibly maybe it's his mum, you know. I mean, oh, his mum. His mum. Hi, mum. It's Luther. Yeah, this guy's Cyrus. He had a bit of an accident. I had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Please don't grab me. All right, pick up eggs and milk. Yeah, got it. I love you, mum. Bye. <laughs> or maybe it's the guy from the commando. <laughs> he's speaking to himself. No, but like, no, he, spe he speaks on, on the phony commando to, to that. Uh, well, to his future self. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's talking to like his it's other It's a connected cinematic universe. <laughs> but he, he does play a, a good creep, that guy, like, you gotta say. He's, like he's, yeah, he's an egotistical, crazy, annoying little twat. And yeah, he's he's on the pretty much. No redeeming qualities, but in any movies that we've done that he's been in, like, <laughs> he must just be that kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> he's stereotyped. He's typecast himself. So I actually have a pretty wild theory here about Luther as a character um, in general, and it is that warriors and 48 hours are all part of the same cinematic universe and it's the same luther we see in both movies now hear me out <laughs> no i'm down with this already so both are directed by walter hill and david kelly plays uh, luther in both movies so what i think happens at the end of the warriors is that the riffs you know you all see them kind of you know they're up for revenge and everything like that so what they do this horrible thing they do to him they cut his hair <laughs> and this is where he you know just completely loses it and he goes to jail he comes back out he falls in with a bad crowd uh, with Eddie Murphy in 48 hours and he just never really gets his life around you know he puts his gang life behind him or this is why he's a nobody because he's in the new city now yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. His gang affiliation is gone. Yeah, exactly. And you can take that further because I also think that Ajax also appears in both movies. Like, so the character is called Ajax, but obviously that's you know that's just a you know that's just a this is gang name, name, a gang name, right? Mm. His real name is still Albert Gantz, which is the main bad guy from Forty Eight Hours, also played by yeah. the same actor, all yeah. part of the same Kill universe. Gantz from Forty Eight Hours is definitely the Ajax who's now come out of prison definitely. after being yeah, nicked in the Warriors. <laughs> further hardened and everything like that and now he's just a total psychopath but luther's character is luther in both in both films yeah yeah oh. 
that's my hill and I'll die on it. Can you imagine the look on their faces when they've both moved to LA, is it? Were? For, yeah, uh, San yeah. Francisco. San Francisco. They've both moved. What the fuck are you doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. Ajax is, would be out for revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on from Luther. Who else we got? Let's um, let's say the Riffs. The Riffs are interesting. Mm. Yeah, they are militant. These they guys are, are yeah. trained. Militant. You know, they've got a big warehouse with like 30, 40 people, all precision military moves. Like, th- these guys run New York. And they they have this war cry, riffs. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Something <laughs> yeah, I did like right. with them is initially when you first meet them, they're all in like orange or blue or whatever robes. And then after Cyrus is killed, they all wear black. So they go through like a period of mourning, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Ah, yeah. I didn't see it as that. But yeah, cool. you're right. I mean, even the fact that Cyrus has managed to gather all of these gangs all uh-huh. weaponless. Like that, I think, shows the power that this gang has over New York City. Yeah. yeah. So Cyrus is the leader of the Rifts, or? He he's is, the yeah. leader yeah. of the Rifts, and he's trying to position himself as the leader of all the gangs. He wants to take over, take over like the whole city, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, it's all about these, you know, can, um, you know, can you count suckers? Because clearly the gangs, they outnumber the cops by, was it five to one or something like that? Like it's, you know, crazy yeah. numbers. But, mm. you know, he never gets that far because Luther shoots him. And, you know, maybe the guy Luther calls is actually some sort of criminal, like, mastermind who's trying to prevent the gangs from all coming together. You know, trying to keep them all scattered, divided and leaderless so that they don't do that. You know, maybe yeah. it's the mayor of New York that he's actually talking to. <laughs> yeah, maybe he is the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like that Cyrus is so eloquent compared to everybody else. Yeah. It's like, darlings, gather around yeah. while I tell you a story. <laughs> That's why he's leader, right? Oh, this guy can talk fancy. Yeah, yeah this fancy talk. Motherfucker, I will follow him to war. <laughs> get to someone getting my lapsang souchong while I just speak to my delegates. Yeah. <laughs> and the hair is so perfect, like you know, like fully greased into perfection. There. He's Shakespearean, isn't he? He yeah. is Shakespearean, yeah, yeah. I quite like that the riffs also get their intel incredibly quickly. Considering this whole film happens over one night, everything's happening very quickly, and almost immediately. Someone is always back with the riff saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this thing just happened. It's like, how did you find that out? And how did this guy get to you so quickly? <laughs> if they just got people sprinting around yeah. the city all night. Yeah, it's the whispers. <laughs> it's almost like John Wick, right? They have like, you know, the spies essentially all over the yeah. city who report into them. Yeah, so that's exactly. how they can kind of triangulate where the, the warriors are. So organized. Yeah. Again, maybe that's someone that Luther's on the phone to. Maybe he's got a contact within the riffs who's feeding him information because every time he comes off the phone, he's like, oh, uh-huh. they, this just happened to the warriors or this just happened. So maybe Maybe they're getting information. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Luther basically says that he shoots him like just because I, he felt like it, right? I felt like it. Yeah. But I feel like there's more to it. Like there, yeah. maybe there's some, there's some rival gang that wants to take over something like that, but it's never really explained. He feels like he'd be a good actor to play the Joker or something just with that kind of character. Just, he just likes creating chaos. Like yeah, there's no yeah, reason exactly. for it. He just does it. Well, he's definitely on some, uh, on some speed or something. Yeah. On something. Sure. Yeah. Like some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, sure. That's Luther. Yeah. yeah. While we're on Nemesis, I'd I'd like to talk about the city as well because I think mm. New York is a nemesis in this. I quite like yes. this idea that it, there is nothing about it that feels safe. It's you know it's dark and it's deadly and it's full of this like plague of violent people i think any thoughts on that you know i don't want to force it if not but i felt like new york's a personality yeah new york in the 70s 80s was a pretty dangerous place to be you know there was a lot of crime uh going around and and like they try to like clean up the image it doesn't feel like the kind of place that'd be safe to walk around at night 
No, no for sure, no, for sure. Like, unless you are a gang of people, like, and even then, it's not. Safe. And the subway, like, probably one of the most dangerous places is, yeah. is the subway. And, and even the cops in this immediately flip into like violence. Violence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's like violence. a wild west, isn't it? It's like totally, totally. And you rarely, you rarely see other civilians in the film, but when you do, and they're like yeah. on the, the train, usually they are often frightened of these people. So. Yeah, it all feels very abandoned. It almost feels like post post apocalyptic, uh, right? Yeah, bit Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like the scene towards the end of the movie when they are in the in the subway and and this uh, kind of fancy couple yeah. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a juxtaposition between like or the the classes you know like the people yeah. with money versus you know these For street sure. gangs who doesn't have anything really yeah. it's almost like to the wealthy young ones the the the, the worlds that the warriors know doesn't exist no exactly. they're like in their own little world and everything feels safe to them yeah like they don't see it it's a little bit like you know kind of in john wick you know you have this war of assassins and everything like that and no one like common folk they just they just don't see it you know it kind of feels a little bit the same here uh, uh, as well. this underground world isn't it yeah there was this, uh, an interesting little bit of uh, knowledge here that I thought was quite slightly bit disturbing that I found when I was uh, researching this. So yeah, like um, New York in the 70s was a bleak place and they actually sort of renamed it like un um, unofficially to Fear City. And it actually got so bad that they had flyers uh, labeled uh, how to survive in uh, like how to survive in Fear City that they gave out to tourists with all kinds of advice, like don't go through the park at they night. They just say, go home on it. Basically, like <laughs> don't take the subway and don't be out like after dog and don't go to these areas and don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and it's like damn you know this like this place was not a nice place to why be why would you go on holiday to somewhere that's got a rep and it's called fear city so <laughs> exactly. let's have a nice two-week break oh. yeah gotta go to fear city <laughs> on that topic before we move on from it i actually heard that walter hill and the crew had problems filming this yeah. Because everywhere they film it was in gang territory. So they always had to like act fast or try and keep the gangs on site so that they didn't have problems because obviously they got a whole crew and they got film gear and like, yeah. so yeah, it was quite a dangerous city for them to film in and they had to work fast at all times. They had a gang who provided protection for them from other gangs. The Riffs. Uh, well, they were they were called uh, second base, which is then became base. yeah. So actually, that's why where the baseball furies come from. They're ah. uh, sort of a tribute to that gang. Oh, okay, look, what I'm going to do. We were going to discuss some of the gangs in this section, but I think we'll keep moving. I'll wrap this bit up, and instead we'll talk about the gangs as we go through the action scenes. So I'm going to wrap up this section. Who shall I start with this time? Jesper, what have you got? All right. So a wise man uh, once said that some men just want to watch the world burn. Uh, that is Luther. But while he might be the instigator and the cause. Of all their trouble. It's just as much New York itself that uh, that's out to get the warriors. New York and its sharp descent into financial financial ruin, corruption, despair, and chaos in the in the 70s is what spawned the many gangs that the warriors have to fight their way through. It's very much abandon all hope he who trespass into the night here. And you could easily see this as a scathing social commentary on the state of New York uh, back in the day with its dark and empty streets, its sinister and imposing and unforgiving, forming the perfect setting for this tale of desperate survival. And it then it all comes combines into somewhat of a unique nemesis where it's a combination of all these elements, Luther, the gangs, and New York City itself that form this omnipresent threat and evil that could strike at any time, keeping both the warriors and the viewer in a state of sort of constant um, constant unease, and it's, and it's very much used to great effect. So a four for me on nemesis. Nice. Bjorn? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, a lot with what Jesper said about New York and, and the kind of unforgiving nature of it, uh, the constant threat. But uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go with the three just because I feel like the actual threat that they face is actually not that high. Like all the gangs that they face that pretty much don't know how to fight. And <laughs> so there, there's more of a perceptive threat than the actual threat. So 
So yeah, three for me. I would counter that that they can't go five minutes without nearly being killed by somebody. <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, Dan. So what those guys said about New York and the city, like, yeah, completely agree with that. I'd like to just also add to that, though, like the immediate threat, the gangs, I do feel a lot of them can be style over substance. Like a lot of them, like they, they pose a threat, but ultimately the warriors are good. They're real good. The only gangs that really pose any real issue for them, uh, as we'll find out in the action scenes, are, are the Lizzie's and the Punks. They're the ones who put up the biggest fight. Luther's an annoying little shit who's basically all talk uh, and gets taken out pretty quickly. Uh, and the Riffs, uh, who initially seem to be the big gang threat, um, soon realise that they've made an error. Um, so for me, that's going to be a four. Okay. Can I what, but just one little thing around um, around Nemesis that just occurred to me? The Nemesis is actually could also be seen as the warriors, the warriors themselves, because could they just not have taken the vests off and <laughs> yeah. they just put on some know, standard right, yeah. t-shirt and then just gone on the train, you know, heads down and then just gone back to Coney Island? Have They're some fucking pride, yes, man. Swat to be like, fuck you, dude. If you <laughs> taken, if you'd exactly. taken that vest off, me and the boys would have beaten your ass. You would have been a, put your fucking vest back a, on. Yeah, but then as soon as someone starts like something, you just you just swing the you just swing the vest on. And go, oh, warrior, sorry. You're that's why you're out of the boy band. Get out, damn. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why you're not in a gang. Right. Um, look, for me, I, I'm going to give this a five, right? Because mm. I think we're up against an entire city of threat, from jerk cops to deadly gangs. This city has no love for the warriors, or in fact, for anybody else who resides within it. It's dark, it's dank, and it's fucking deadly with a grooving soundtrack that echoes through the night. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the action. Action! This is what we're here for. Let's take a conversational journey through New York City with the Warriors. And I'd like to start at the gathering as Cyrus aims to build an army. So what we'll do, we'll follow scene by scene. And I think as we talk about each encounter, let's give it a little score and say what we thought of each encounter as we make our way back to Coney Island. So Cyrus in the park. Anyone got any thoughts here? It's a bit uh, one gang to rule them all, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's his uh, intention here. So... Yeah, I mean, he's got, what, nine delegates from, seven, you know, however many gangs. 900 gang 900 members. 900 guys, yeah. And there's more out there. But he's got thousands of people here, and his intention is to unite them uh, and, you know, basically stop bopping the fuck out of each other so that they can run this city. If they work together, they can run this place. Run this Yeah, 60,000 soldiers against the establishment. What a dream. Yeah. He's throwing out a lot of numbers, like, you know, like all the math that he's doing. He likes the like, numbers. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. And I, like, They've got I an account too. Up with this. <laughs> exactly. There's a great moment here, right, where uh, Cyrus is preaching and he's being Shakespearean and Cowboy starts flinging his arms around and cheering like, yeah. Yay! And Ajax is looking at Cowboy like, you pussy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's totally bought into the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so to kick off the action, look, Cyrus is rallying the troops and everyone's cheering. And then Luther gets a gun and bang, this gunshot echoes through the night and Cyrus has been shot. And at this point, chaos. Let's start there. It's actually quite an impressive set piece this early on, like in the movie. Like, it, you know, how many extras do they have in this scene? It's shot at night. It's complete like pandemonium. It goes really big. There's absolute chaos. It's actually really engaging and you're excited going, oh shit, this is all going to kick off. Like, are we actually going to see the final showdown now? Like, you know, is yeah. it going to get bigger than this? But no, it's not going to get bigger than this. Um, but you are enjoying it um, kind of as it, uh, Just as it on the extras in that scene. They're real gang members. Oh, really? Uh, and because they were worried about people fighting 
fighting each other within this scene. There's also undercover cops within that group as well, just trying to help keep the peace. But yeah, Jeez. they're all real people. They're all real gangs. I would love to have seen the planning meeting between the production crew and the city and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. and this, the mayor's coming, just wringing his hands, going, "Oh, how are we got to do this? The scene's just already don't broken. Kill each other. Just don't kill <laughs> yeah, each other. Just oh don't kill each other. Yeah. yeah. If anything, it could have been longer, like or more fighting. Like it, it ends a bit too too soon yeah i think the trouble is if it starts fighting here then once you go to all the individual gangs you've kind of shut your load yeah yeah, yeah exactly i do feel bad for cleon like you know it feels oh, like he's he so fucking had... cool in this man he yeah. is and he should have had a little bit more of um I don't know, time, spot to shine <laughs> before he gets completely beaten to death but i, I think he does like look, everyone's gone into chaos everyone is shitting themselves apart from cleon who stands up who marches to the middle and he's going to try and help and yeah. then when luther and his gang call him out Leon just starts punching out rogues, man. They're yeah. charging him, he's just knocking them out one after the other. And it takes all of the riffs to put him down and stop him. Death like it's, it's a quick end, but his moment to shine is like, oh, that's yeah. why he's the warlord. He yeah. acts, yeah. he's cool, he knows what to do, and he knocks out half a gang on his he own. He loses because of simple numbers, and that's it. You yeah. know if yeah. it was one to one. Again, the it. numbers. So yeah. clearly he couldn't count. Sucker. I really like at the end of this scene as well. And um, when the warriors are escaping, they, they group up and they literally punch and kick their way through a fence that to get out. <laughs> they, they don't go round it, they don't go under it, they no, just no, no, punch they their way through it. it. <laughs> <laughs> go warriors. That's like me getting off the train in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that he gets killed off so soon because like he seems to be the only guy like the martial arts that knows how to fight basically mm. he actually seems Ooh. to have some credentials yeah, the rest are kind bit. of like brawlers brawlers but like they don't really know how to f actually fight except but this is why he's the warlord yeah yeah, yeah yeah like cleon's seen a lot of bruce lee movies rest in peace cleon. they could have killed them rest killed, peace, killed off like fox or someone else i mean he does is integral to this point because it then throws swan into the spotlight right and, it, exactly. and it's his character arc on how yeah. he now is going to get these guys home safely but it would also be interesting to see how cleon would have if he had survived this would have gotten the gang home so i don't think ajax would have started on cleon <laughs> no chance uh, no exactly it's his, 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 his chance to take the lead yeah okay so moving us on that's the intro so chaos has ensued Cyrus is dead all the gangs have gone into chaos everyone's gone back to their district and now the warriors need to fight their way through the city district by district on their way to Coney Island and their first encounter is with the Turnbull ACs warriors versus Turnbull ACs <laughs> round <laughs> one fight something I like about the gangs just before we jump into the Turnbulls as well is that you can actually track their path across New York by the gangs they fight. So the Turnbull ACs, uh, apparently their turf is uh, the Van Cortland Park area and Gunner Hill Road in the Bronx. So this is the area that they have. So you can easily just track their whole journey. So yeah, Turnbull ACs. <laughs> <laughs> Leon, back to you. <laughs> I'm drinking. I mean, the, the, their, their entrance is definitely uh, iconic with the, sick. With the, the bus. And yeah, the, they yeah. look like a bunch of scary bastards, for sure. They like, got a fucking yeah. battle tank. Double denim, bald heads, fucking they're massive skinheads, planks. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, a, and a bus that has a top speed of two miles an hour. I like that they're skinheads, <laughs> but they're also like black skinheads. So it's not like a... Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not like a racist. They're not like racist. Yeah. It's like the original. I reckon this gang, the warriors smartly stay in the shadows yeah. and then they do a runner. But I reckon this gang are fucking dangerous, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of them. They're weaponed up. They seem ready for action. They got a tank. I, I suppose. Yeah. Do they come in one bus or two buses? I, I like one, one, but they're like all over yeah. it. 
oh, okay, all yeah. over it. There's also that, you know, they're kind of stalking the streets in this monster of a bus and they're all like sitting on top of the roof. You know, they are leaning out the windows and they're dead quiet. And as soon as they spot the warriors, they start, you know, Action. cheering and yelling yeah. and, you know, growling and everything like that. And they are, you know, the warriors are running down the street and the bus with its two miles an hour is coming there tuk, 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 yeah. behind them. But it's, it's almost like a prison bus of convicts, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like raging yeah. convicts. Yeah. It is prison bus. Or they stole them, like they stole them prison bus. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how bad these like this lot. One of the things I love as well is like again, it speaks to Ajax as a person, but he's the one at the back, and he's only at the back because he wants to flip the bird as he's yeah. running. Yeah. No way, like, fuck <laughs> you. I like as well. Every one of those warriors must have known they'd have died in that combat, but Ajax is still up for it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he like, he's got to go down swinging <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I think the warriors are smart in this one. You know, I think you know they spend a lot of the start of this film running, but th this one, it's like, yeah, you did the right things. One, keep him in the shadows. Let's run. Yeah, there's only nine of them. Yeah, here you have to run. I mean, it's them versus a bus full of skinheads. Yeah. So essentially, you know, you've got the nine warriors who are just the, the nine delegates of a larger gang. But this is all. This is all of them that are here and present in this film. But they're going through all of these guys' territory, and they are fully ganged up. So they no, yeah. again, it's a numbers game. They're fucking outnumbered. Yeah, and outweaponed. Numbers again. Oh, so much <laughs> counting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any more on the ACs, or we'll give them a quick score, summarize there. Just what the AC stands for. Anyone have, have any idea? Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Turn Turn ball. Ball. Action. action action combat action <laughs> combat yeah i don't know yeah actually cool Actually, cool. <laughs> I've forgotten what we were doing up until We were going to give oh, a yeah. little rating. Summarize yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go if you want. Yeah, go on. The Turnbull ACs, they look like, as we've said, you know, these look like a bunch of actual bloody hard asses and I would not want to get in a fight with these guys. However, they didn't have the intelligence to actually get out of their bus and change them. But... <laughs> yeah. So I'll probably give them maybe a, a two. Uh, what's, what's the metric here? Is it out of five? Or? Yeah, it's out, yeah, of, out five, of five. And it's, it's the interaction. Right. What do you think yeah. of this little interaction with the ACs? It's tense, but yeah, it could have been worse. So I'll give it a two. Bjorn, Jesper? I didn't actually rank this one because I didn't feel like it was a, like an action scene or a fight, but so I, I would probably only give them a, a one then. Yeah. yeah, shit one for you. Fair. Jesper? Um, sorry, but I just have this image of the Turnbull ACs in, uh, in their bus at the foot of the stairs and not f kind of working out. Like, how do you move forward with this? <laughs> like that trying to turn around scene in Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. I bet if you could see the back of the bus, there'd be a learner plate on it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, so this is the first real encounter. Uh, I would got to give it a three. I think it starts really well with the build-up and sort of the threat, like this imminent threat of this is going to get be damaged. The chase and everything like that, but then it's sort of all really kind of blows over before it really gets started. So yeah, a three. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. I think the ACs would have won through sheer numbers and weapons. Uh, the Warriors ran like pussies, but this shows that the Warriors are smart and they know when to pick a fight. However, the interaction is a two out of five. Anyone else think they ran further than they actually looked when they were scoping out the stairs as well? Like the stairs looked a lot closer than when they actually started running. They seemed to run for a lot longer. Maybe they missed the first set of stairs. When they're like, oh, <laughs> <keep going." laughs> and also like maybe they could wait for the next train. Like, I don't know <laughs> how long how long it, there's between the trains, but yeah, that, that would have been a safer option. <laughs> okay, so we have escaped the Turnbull ACs, and it's not very long before we encounter the Orphans, our next gang. What do we think of the Orphans? Shit name. <laughs> Warriors versus Orphans. Fight! But are they actually orphans? Like, why? why? <laughs> I think they're orphans because none of the other gangs want them. Like, orphans are probably like rejects from all the other gangs. Yeah. Um, ah, you know, right. because they are so shit. They're and they level. are shit. 
You know what? I disagree. I think yeah. they're underestimated, you know. Everyone says they're, they're low level and they haven't been invited to Cyrus's meeting, but their raids are in the paper because Fox has heard of them. <laughs> well, and it's yeah. like, oh, they don't even have youth workers. Yeah, that's because they're so fucking badass, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. loads of them. They've got lookouts on the buildings. Yeah. And they come out ready for action, full of weapons. The only thing that stops them is a petrol bomb. And yeah. I'm like, no, the, everyone's underestimating these guys. They're fucking thug, man. I mean, they're based, their uniform is basically a, a, a green, green t-shirt. t-shirt. That's An it. unwashed green t-shirt. <laughs> totally recognisable. Their, their, leader, their leader looks like David Schwimmer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally wet. So it's, it's pretty hard to take these guys seriously. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> you kind of got a good feeling about them. Like, you know, they're on the up and coming. <laughs> look how many of them there are. When they come out, look at the weapons they're carrying. Yeah, they are all over the buildings. They completely own yeah. the street. You'll be and, and if you walk down in. the street and there's a gang of guys in green t-shirts, yeah, that's the fucking orphans. To be fair though, they're actually pretty nice guys. Like, they were going to let yeah. them walk through. They're like, yeah, all yeah. right, fine, you know. Yeah, you don't just want take off your vest Just go for it. And it's mercy that causes the problem. Yeah, she's <laughs> an instigator. See, see, the orphans are smart as well. They're like, we don't need to fight these Look, there's only six of them, pussies. Let them go. Take yeah. your vests off. We'll let you go. Yeah. <laughs> Telling you, man, the orphans. <laughs> so tracking the journey, the uh, the orphans, uh, they run Pelham in the Bronx. So we've not gotten very far. Maybe one or two train stops at this point. We're still in the north. Did anyone else notice that their leader, you think, oh, look at this dog. All he does is click his fingers and they all go into action. They all know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Trained yeah. man. Militant. <laughs> that petrol bomb moment you mentioned as well. What cracks me up is the, pe- the snow is actually, the, uh, until this point, has been walking around with a bottle of whatever, like some just attached to his necklace. Yeah. And they're like, okay, like that's, they did compact, I guess. Like this guy brought something. But yeah, I just thought it was quite funny. He brought that for the sole purpose of, of blowing people up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that scene is really cool like i mean it's just like you know shit's gonna go down and then you know a petrol bomb yeah that car goes off (laughs) but when you see it when you see it you think like he's gonna throw it at at the orphans but he actually throws it at the car yeah this is where i defend him again though because it's like, oh yeah, they got outrun. The orphans couldn't do anything. The warriors escaped. Dude fucking petrol bombed them. Like, I can't ima- imagine any human who's going to go up against a petrol bomb. Of course they got away. Like, what, are they all just going to run into an explosion? Like, well, they could just cross the street and then run past the car and just follow the warriors down. Yeah, but the warriors are gone by now, man. Same as the Turnbull ACs. Once they're gone, they're gone. We can see how quick they are. Is it the stairs again? The stairs. Yeah, yeah. They're like Daleks, man. Yeah. No, one can, no one can figure out the stairs. <laughs> You see what you get, warriors? Right, because they all stay on the sidewalk. So, you know, like, sort of once they're down and they're on the actual road, there's no way they've got to get back up again. Yeah. I really love that shot as the warriors all run into the station, but the camera stays exterior and then watches them going through the front door and then moves up and watches them go across the Yeah, yeah, that's really, really cool. cool. Mm. I think that, like, that Mercy was hanging out with them as well. They must have yeah. been pretty cool. Because I think Mercy only hangs out with cool people, you know? <laughs> I think, like in the film, they're probably underrated. There's more to them than you expect. Yeah. But they just, I, I want a spin-off. No. I want the orphans. It <laughs> happens off-screen, yes, but remember? You're, you're, uh, <laughs> oh, right. you're into yeah, this yeah. stuff. My favourite, yes. <laughs> you're not feeling it? You're not into the orphans? I'm not into the orphans. No. They're chicken shits. <laughs> One firebomb and they run. <laughs> All right. There's a, I was looking at this uh, action figures from the Warriors. Uh, and the Warriors have an action figure, and it's the David Schwimmer type guy. <laughs> I was going to say, is it just an action figure of David Schwimmer? <laughs> and, yeah. But in this one, he has he has the uh, the green T-shirt tucked into his jeans. So yeah. <laughs> looks even like lame. high waist <laughs> jeans. <laughs> such a cool look. Anything last on the orphans, or I'll push us onto the next gang. Should have thrown the Molotov cocktail at them. Yeah, yeah well, let, <laughs> give me a summary and your score. Then what have you got, Bjorn? You're up first. Uh, I'm actually yeah. I'm gonna 
yeah, I'm gonna say that the scene has some tensity to it. Like, although they or the orphans turn out to be pretty relatively weak, uh, there is definitely some uh, some tensity to it to the scene, and and you it showcases the impressive fighting. Uh, ability of the of the warriors and their kind of tactical skills um so i'm gonna i'm gonna rank this a 4.5 yeah nice four out of five sorry but not the orphans <laughs> no just the interaction uh jesper uh, i'm gonna keep this one short uh it's a two uh the orphans are chicken shits okay yeah fair dan i i can feel the rage inside me jesper <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll leave it well he has carte blanche to yeah furious chicken chicken <laughs> I'll get the shitty stick, mate. <laughs> Damn. Run from the fireball. Yeah, I'd give them probably a, th- a three, I think. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of get the impression they own the streets and they seem pretty badass. But again, the warriors do kind of outsmart them and get away quite quickly. So there's not a lot in the scene other than a cool explosion. Um, look, I think the orphans are underestimated. I think the orphans would have put up a good fight. I don't think they're physically as tough as the warriors, and I, they probably wouldn't have won. But once again, the warriors ran. However, the, there's a decent distraction technique with the petrol bomb. I'll give it a three out of five. So we're moving us along. Look, I don't want to settle on it too much, but there is the 96th Street station with the cops where Fox gets killed. If anyone has anything to say, you can. If not, I'll push this onto the Baseball Furies. There's something that struck me when I watched this um, again uh, the other night around um, around the cops, and, and it's that whole build-up. Like, the cops, they seem to have this really ominous presence like uh, as you know like as the scene kind of builds up you hear was it the, the footsteps and the warriors they freeze you yeah. know and you can um, you can almost start to see like worry and fear and then you have this ghostly image of a cop that's appearing like in the window uh, behind uh, some of the characters and then you know they run and everything like that so it's kind of like the cops they kind of seem to have this kind of boogeyman mentality uh, sort of boogeyman quality like you know these are like something to be scared of and feared or run away from and they always seem to come out of they feel uh, like a gang of their own almost they feel like they yeah. yeah exactly they feel like a gang of their own and i think uh, yeah. one of you mentioned like like even the cops go full on hard like they go in for the brawl you know they don't try to subdue i feel, I feel like they're paid them. off i feel like they're corrupted cops and like oh, yeah. totally. there's, there's some money in for, in for them to like to bop the warriors. I'm sure there is. So yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. Like the cops is is, is sort of like, you know, the other gang um, that uh, that's also out to get them. The, the only bit I really want to mention, obviously Fox gets killed. He gets thrown on the train track by a cop. But it's, um, I think it's Swan throws that baseball bat at the oh, yeah, yeah, It's Ouch. just such a good move. Yeah, oh, it's brutal. Man. Also Bang. like uh, Ajax <laughs> kicking the cop on the stairs and the cop just rolls backwards down the stairs. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that Couple baseball nice cop moments. So good. All right, so after a nice. Street Station, the next actual encounter is the Baseball Furies. Warriors versus Baseball Furies. Round three, fight. <laughs> the station they come out of isn't the 96th Street Station. Oh, there you go again, Dad. Bring, <laughs> bring reality in. No, the, the, the Furies don't, though, do they? No, uh, so our guys are chased on 96th Street Station and they exit on 96th and Broadway. That's where they come out. But the actual station used for the filming location was on 72nd Street. But they covered the number up with a big 96 to make it. You're such a you, you fucking calling your gang the nerds was definitely the right <laughs> I'm going to jump in here. This first guy, the yellow and black face mask, the baseball bat and the whole outfit. It is fucking iconic. That look yeah, is yeah. so fucking cool. Beyond the Warriors, just in the whole culture of action films and comic books, it's such a fucking look, man. Yeah. This is the scariest gang there is. Like I think you yeah. know, the face paint and sort of the way they carry themselves and, you know, this stoic silence um, they have, you know, the only sort of show of emotion is like their dead eyes and, you know, their 
bare teeth. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, chills down the spine, the spot of nightmares. Even the way they, they run, like it's, it's yeah. kind of, they're they're kind of have this relentless yeah. stamina. Yeah, just right here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did find myself wondering, do you think these guys get up and do a nine to five day job and then like <laughs> go out and fake their face and the next day they go to work and they've got stains all over their face? Maybe they're <laughs> actual, actual baseball players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's put on the makeup. Well, to hide their identities. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them is coaching Little League and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's push into the action scene here because this is fucking sick this is where the warriors decide we've had enough running let's get into action i think one of the first coolest things is where two of the warriors split off disappear into the night the baseball furies continue to chase i think it's cowboy and ajax yes yeah. and the warriors have pulled a fucking switcheroo on them yeah suddenly yeah. appear behind them chasing the baseball furies down yeah sick yeah, yeah. Sick. warriors are so smart so yes. smart yeah i think that speaks volumes to uh swan's kind of strategic planning Within, yeah. that, within that yeah he's like smart enough to like you know we can't face them like head on but if we circle around and start picking them off from the back like that's that's how we'll win and they get some baseball bats out of it too which is cool also the very first moment they're charging into battle and Ajax has decided I'm going to start fighting yeah. Yeah. the very first guy that comes towards him Ajax just knocks him clean out with that yeah. first punch yeah. yeah. bang yeah. dude is out <laughs> I think it's also quite uh, telling that was it like Ajax says I'm sick of running from these wimps which I kind of feel like at this point in the movie the audience is a little bit tired of watching them run um, as well so it's kind of like yes finally like here we go and they deliver yeah man yeah finally fucking fight already <laughs> But I think I think uh, like the the baseball furies are uh, epitomizes like the style over substance. Like they yeah. look super scary, cool, scary, and like a really cool looking gang. But their fighting abilities is is very. They're kind of like a one trick pony with the baseball gimmick. Really get destroyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it is it that they're like not that good, or is it that the warriors are fucking sick? I think the warriors are fucking sick at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's both. Not only does like Leon said, like the, the first guy that Ajax even encounters, he knocks on his ass. He then has a face down with the leader and this guy's properly like taunting and goading him with a baseball bat and then the moment he makes his move Ajax floors him straight out yeah, yeah. done sorry anti-climatic but that uppercut it's like <laughs> uppercut of the fucking millennium man yeah. Ajax lands the sweetest uppercut you've ever seen like bang no one was standing up to that it's funny because like Ajax himself like he even seems a bit um, a bit so a bit surprised by it I think that once the leader goes down like Ajax goes oh fucking eh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow I fucking did that <laughs> that's right I did that I like that you get some sort of sword fighting in here with baseball bats and the warriors yeah. manage yeah, to yeah. disarm them all and then Clink beat them with their own weapons I love it. so there's also a moment where Ajax I don't know if you guys noticed it because it's quite quickly edited but there's a moment where Ajax actually full on picks one of them up like over yeah, his yeah man throws, throws him, him around like so good damn Ajax <laughs> this is the moment in the film where we get to see who the warriors really are and oh, you're like totally. yeah they've just disarmed an entire gang and beat the piss out of them with their own weapons <laughs> let's go well like as well as the moment where uh, you, we cut back to Swan and he's having this full on fight with one of the base for it and it cuts back and it's one of them is just stood there just watching the whole thing and Ajax just comes up behind him and like thinks mm. about but what's, what's this guy him. doing just like oh no, just, like, just watch <laughs> for, for a moment there he was mid fight and his whole life flashed before his eyes and he had an existential crisis and he was like what are we doing with our lives <laughs> why am I painting my face <laughs> yeah and then Ajax just lumped him I got work in the morning yeah why am I <laughs> Like, throughout the scene it's you know the, the warriors are getting, getting really sweaty like you can see like they're all shiny and stuff but the baseball fury is like their faces are just immaculate still like you'd expect this face paint to just start like getting down into their <laughs> eyes like ah, I can't see but, but that's what I love about the baseball furies I reckon they can run all night their stamina's high and they're not even sweating man they're yeah, yeah, broken yeah. A sweat. but that's how good the warriors are 
It's probably like grease paint or some shit. Yeah, it's, corpse, it's like corpse paints, you know. It's like black metal. <laughs> 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't run. They go to work like that the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so Barry, you want to come out for a couple of drinks, like after work? No, I'm going to go practice baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like that the face paint is so intense that the next day you, there's no washing it off. So you got some kid doing his shop job and he's got yeah. like the paint on and one of them sat in an office t- on a typewriter and he's yeah. got his paint on and yeah. like, that's not going away it makes me think of fight club you know when uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. everyone's got scars and shit and they're just doing their day-to-day job like. i feel like uh, marlon manson got his style from th- from these guys yeah totally, oh, sure. yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. he watched totally. this he watched this movie when i was a kid or something <laughs> anything more on the baseball furies if not let's let's hit him with some summaries and scores anyone can jump in with one this this isn't the official score so i can go first here. like for me this is the first real fight of the movie it's a solid four this is where the warriors they unleash uh it's fucking awesome yeah agreed i'll go with a four as well on that and also because the uh the baseball theories are an iconic villain beyond yeah. this film and they're scary as fuck yeah i'm gonna go with the five like just because it's, it's my favorite uh of, of the scenes in this movie up until they start fight you realize how how weak the baseball fears actually are it's actually <laughs> quite, quite intense uh they're not think, weak like, the oh, warriors man. are tough yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to make that distinction it's important but it, yeah but it's a yeah it's a very choreographed uh, scene and uh, yeah i really like that the furies had the jump and the weapons and the warriors outsmarted them outskilled them and then dispatched them without too much hassle yeah. and the warriors only had half their gang there at the time <laughs> yeah they've been separated at this point yeah <laughs> yeah good point yeah and also there's some great tag team work from the warriors like just dispatching these guys so for me it would be a four out of five as well okay so then the next encounter we'll have um i think we're at 96th street station can't remember but it's the lizzie's we're at union square now so now, our union square <laughs> you're right so now some of the warriors encounter the lizzie's yeah. who are our first female guy actually probably oh no mercy i was gonna say the first women in the whole film but <laughs> yeah. our first yeah. female gang the first female yeah. gang yeah warriors versus lizzie's <laughs> round four fight uh we've got um merlin coaches and rembrandt for this one <laughs> yeah. yeah so these guys when they were separated these are the guys who are the only ones who managed to jump on a train and actually make it to union square they're early they get off the train they clock these girls in the corner give them the eye and they're like oh you know we're early guys you know we can <laughs> might as well have some fun get, yeah yeah but they don't realize that uh, these ladies are also a gang as well and actually something i quite like there's a little visual visual cue here the, the girls are wearing gang colors they Absolutely. have tie-dye shirts but they're covered by jackets and mm. it's almost like a visual cue to the way that these girls are gonna get these oh, warriors yeah. it's, a, it's a trap it's bait so i wanted to say in. this earlier because yesper was like oh the warriors are the only ones that have their own personal style and actually the lizzies do as well they but their gang yeah. colors are all hidden yeah but they mm. all wear the same yeah, top that's a good point i didn't notice that you're right yeah. Yeah. motives come out later so it's, they're yeah. deceptive yeah. yeah deceptive exactly deceptive that. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Ah. I, I like that um, Vermin, Cochise and Rembrandt are just immediately suckered in. Girls, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's go. They just trust him. Well, Cochise and Vermin is like Rembrandt has his reservations yeah, for he's, sure. He's, he's got his suspicions for sure. That's something. Oh, fuck Rembrandt. He shouldn't be in the gang. So interestingly, and I wanted to know if you guys picked up on this as well, but in the book this is based on, Rembrandt is a, is a gay character. Mm-hmm. And the actor who plays Rembrandt in the film was also openly gay. And I almost mm. felt that there was some nuances in this performance that almost maybe insinuated that the character himself was gay. And I guess the most obvious would be the Lizzie's that he's not interested. He's not in interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, if it wasn't for him being not interested in this point, they wouldn't have made it out of there. He's the one who clocks that there's something going on. He's the one who knows yeah. their packs. Checks so. are packed. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd have picked up on his sexuality had you not said that. Like I, I think in the film he just comes across as like 
weak in the gang. He's never really up for anything. He never really gets in fights. All he does is spray paint the worst W I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just don't think... He, the, the only time he go, goes into action is in the next fight with the punks, which we'll get into, but yeah, he yeah. just doesn't really do much. So I, I think Rembrandt is very much the, you know, the youngest and latest member of yeah. the gang. And I think... I thought that too. He's just young. He's mm. just young and, you know, he hasn't been in this it's life for a very long time. Uh, I think yeah, there is sure. the start where Swan is saying, um, you know, just keep your head down and um you know Rembrandt saying yeah of course you know I you know I don't feel like getting wrecked so you do get the sense that he's new but that also means that he is still seeing this world with a fresh pair of eyes and that's probably where he starts to pick up on you know the Lizzie's like there's something wrong here there's like this creeping sensation that something is wrong on the Lizzie's look I think they're fiendishly cute like they lure yeah. their prey they play loud music they smoke weed they drink beer they dance all sexy and offer themselves to the warriors they are the perfect trap Hell yeah. for they, this gang like they're yeah, fucking brilliant it's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They are the, uh, you know, they are the sirens of the Greek mythology, uh, totally. right? I mean, you know, they're luring the men in and then they uh, spring the trap. And when they spring into action, man, they're Fuck it. Blam, <laughs> blowing off fucking ammunition. They can't aim for shit, though. Like, such bad <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm going to have to stop you there, Bjorn. They can. They're probably the best shot in the world, but the Warriors are that fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> they are Matrix dodging bullets, all over the mate. place. Yeah. Well, one of them gets shot, though. I think, what was it, like Rembrandt gets a slice in the arm? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Because like yeah. oh, I think that's why they then get the flick knife thing someone keeps So it. an interesting uh, tidbit here is that apparently in the original script here, uh, Vermin was supposed to have been killed by the Lissies um, in this encounter here, but the actor who played Vermin, uh, you know, he, you know, on purpose, you know, he put in a lot of charm into Vermin and kind of made him slightly bit of the comic... Um, comic relief and you know managed to persuade Walter Hill to let him live as on as an actor made himself invincible basically <laughs> exactly. you exactly. on set exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. whereas the dude who played Fox was the exact opposite of that and got himself fired which is why he gets the killed off. tracks <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> because he was arguing with uh, arguing with Walter Hill like constantly so yeah. Uh, yeah there you go you know you gotta be careful I think um, it's a shame because it's a little bit blink and you miss it but I actually think the Lizzie's are one of the toughest gangs in this yeah, film totally they do. just go into violent action in the, uh, the like a blink of an eye knives They'd have had out these guns out easily if it wasn't for the fact they got yeah. easily. One of the girls takes a chair to the face. And they can't aim. Yeah. <laughs> the warriors were that good, Bjorn. <laughs> they dodged the bullets. The warriors are that good. <laughs> I like the way when they're luring them in, they're like, hey, a minute, something ain't right. You know, where's, where's your guys? And they're like, they almost pose themselves as being like girlfriends to a gang who yeah. aren't here. Was it? No, they are the gang. Sneaky. A, a little tangent. When the uh, rock star made the Warriors game, they bought out a load of merch and they bought out like merch for each of the gangs. And they had sick white satin bomber jackets with the Lizzie's written across the back oh, and cool. like a cutthroat oh. razor. And I tried so hard to get one of them. But once the price of the jacket and the shipping from the US, it was like way over 100 quid. And I was a student at the time and couldn't do it. But it was the sickest jacket. <laughs> oh man, that would have been awesome. <laughs> um, anything else on the Lizzie's, or we'll quickly score them and summarise them? I'll jump in. Uh, I'm going to give the Lizzie's a five. I think of all the gangs in this film, they pose the biggest threat and almost win uh, with their deceptive womanly wiles. With their what? Womanly wiles. Their honey trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to counter that. I think this is it's an interesting scene because the, it's kind of like the only twist in the movie. Uh, and it, it is quite tense, but the action itself is not particularly impressive for me. So it's a 2.5. Yeah, fair. You're wrong, but fair. 
<laughs> yes, but coming slightly higher in uh, here, like uh, I'm. So I'm scoring this a uh, three point five. I really like this scene, but I like it because of this creeping sense, this creeping sensation that something's wrong. Like you really start to feel Rembrandt's unease, and it keeps on building, and then the whole thing explodes. I mean, one Lizzie even gets smashed uh, over the head with a chair. You know, I mean, that's brutal. But then the whole thing is over. But still, great scene and tension is really good. So three point five. I'd also go with a three point five. For me, the warriors really show their grit here because they're under the Lizzie's spell they're outnumbered and they're outgunned but through some sweet moves they managed to fight the lizzies off and escape it's not necessarily a win but it definitely took skill so yeah 3.5 it kind of also speaks to that to kind of the togetherness they have as a unit like you know they are split apart and everything like that but you know there's always someone who's kind of looking out for his fellow warriors right in this case it's uh, rembrandt yeah, yeah. It's, they're like they're lucky they had rembrandt for sure. yeah he kind of earns his keep there i think yeah. it's certainly not for the tagging <laughs> well and he also does something in this next fight and he gets the first spray paint hit yeah. on one of the punks. <laughs> yeah. And this fight is in Union Square in the toilets to fight with the punks. Who would want to jump in first with this? Warriors one? versus punks. Round five. <laughs> fight. Can I just jump in with something here before we get started quickly? Swan has finally made it to Union Square, right? He's done so by walking underground from 96th Street Station to Union Square. That's an hour and a half walk. The same as John Wick made in uh, the, our John Wick 2 episode with Cassian, which means there's an hour and a half of movie missing where Swan does that walk and maybe encounters more gangs. And even more fun could be the fact he could make that hour and a half walk and encounter John Wick and Cassian on the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's two films here that have a whole hour and a half of like cool oh shit missing. <laughs> See, again, world, there's so much here. <laughs> this is why I prefer films to TV series. Because if this was a TV, yeah, series, a TV series, you'd have one shit hour long episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was just this guy walking. Character building. Whereas a film is like, you don't need to see that bit. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been like the episode seven. Yeah. <laughs> the filler episodes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. So the punks, they they run the Bowery and Union Square with the Lizzies. They're, I think they're the only gangs you see in Maybe they are the boyfriends. Collaboration. Possibly, yeah. They're yeah. in collab. They're not very punk, are they? Rugby shirts no. and dungarees. No, I kind of feel that they should be called the overalls. I don't feel like punk and rollerblades go, go, to, go that well together. My only thought was that they were so punk, they were non-conformist and decided not to dress like punks. Like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Meta-punk. I mean, they have the, the, the L'Oreal long hair and everything like that with the mullet. <laughs> And everything the like that. Dennis the Menaces. Dennis the Menaces, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what it feels like. I felt like the leader on roller skates, if they remade this, he'd be Jared Leto, for sure. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, who knew that roller skates could be so menacing? You know, just, you yeah, know, just they that really sound. are menacing. Yeah. Well, we already know that oh. stairs have proven you know, difficult for most of the fucking games yeah. in this film so far. You should have just gone back up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really like the switcheroo here as well, because I think, you know, Swan is fucked. He's on his own. He's with Mercy. Yeah. And this gang are stalking him like predators. And that moment that the remaining warriors come down the staircase and Swan's little eyes light up. Whew. Like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Waves them over to the toilet and then lures the, the punks into the toilet. And yeah. <laughs> lures them into the toilet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, this is the glory hole fight, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this, this, this bathroom scene is fucking sick. This yeah, fight this is, is the best sick. fight in this the film for chaos. me. There's only six warriors left as well at this point. Throughout this whole film... The one warrior that makes me the most nervous is Snow because he's quiet 
I'm reserved, mm. but you know the moment he, he, if he'd fuck you up, you just know it. This is his fucking moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, goes yeah, for yeah. It. he is lethal. I think he takes out about five of the punks on his own. Yeah, yeah. totally. He's badass. He kicks and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He kicks ass, man. He reminds me of Sonny Landham a bit. He's got like a Sonny Landham thing going on, I think. Yeah, just, just mm. big and lumbering and punches and kicks and just taking people out. And scary. There's just something in the eyes, man. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's something like in his name, Snow. Like, you know, yes, it might look all light and fluffy and everything like that, but it can go hard and damage you really really badly what like snow does <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah snowball like right in the face what kind of know? snow do they have in denmark right? <laughs> oh. to hail. Hail. Yeah. yeah exactly for anyone who hasn't seen our um big trouble in little china episode we'd go quite deep into <laughs> yeah. hail in that episode check out that episode i i fucking love this fight i love how explosive it is that you get the the sort of predatory no music you know they're sneaking around looking under the toilet cubicles and rembrandt steps down then the door flings open he sprays him in the face and then the warriors just explode blowed out of these cubicles into a fight four doors are smashed three baseball bats are smashed two mirrors are smashed and a chain is used to choke slam a guy violence man ultra violence and a spray pang to the eyes <laughs> yeah spray paint to the eyes i think that what vermin gets slung up against one of the chairs and sorry not um, the mirrors, the wall, the mirrors yeah. and yeah. does he break one of the sinks as he kind of falls down or yeah, at, least, at least takes a big piece out of it yeah that's crazy yeah mercy kicks a dude in, a, in the face in this one as well yeah, she, yeah. i like she's in the background and the swans in a fight she's like kill him kill him you know the next day the janitor had to come out to it. it's probably one of the baseball furies on his day job <laughs> I'm not gonna clean this up. you guys too <laughs> yeah hey that's my baseball bat <laughs> I really like the rumble of this fight I like that everyone is in action at the same time like genuinely you got one person like power slamming a guy while another one's kicking a dude in the face someone's going through a mirror or getting kicked through a door it's just it's a barroom brawl but in a small oh, space yes it's sick, so man. good sick. yeah yeah exactly. I like also one after the other they all get kicked through bathroom doors too yeah like, just like <laughs> yeah it's I love it it's so much fun this is like one of the best bathroom fights I can think of that's why the scene ends where it ends with that guy being thrown through the last door because there's no more doors there's no smash. more doors yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's no more there's no more toilets to break uh, the punks are pretty tough here as well a few of the warriors start yeah. getting decked like they are getting a beat down and I think it's only because they've got some of the old guys with them like, like Snow that they can actually take these guys on now so I think again the warriors this is probably the most balanced fight, I reckon. Mm. I think so. I the think Warriors so. have met yeah. their match here. They just happen to be better. I think actually also that uh, the punks or the overalls, as I really do feel that they should be called, or the Dennis the Menaces, which is even yeah, better. The, the um, dungarees. <laughs> they're not punks. But I do think that they're actually also quite scary like i think it was you mentioned um uh, you who mentioned it Leon. like they're like they're predatory you know you, you know, yeah. kind of stalking swan through and on these you know on these roller skates like again i think i mentioned uh, before like who knew that roller skates could be so menacing yeah and they have this like all of them they have this you know dead eye look like uh, you know we are out to kill you yeah it does feel violent they are out to kill him in this one yeah absolutely in a lot of the other fights it's you know it's sort of a bit comic action but in this one you're like oh yeah here we go so the baseball yeah. furious they might be the more iconic ones but i definitely feel that these are right up there and uh, the warriors sure. earn their win in this yes, one they do. yeah the the punks are probably one of the more uh, high level of the gangs like when it comes to fighting and like it's one of the later stage fights so i really like that you get loads of like slow motion action in this one as well like a slow motion yeah. power slam and the chain slow motion and someone going through a window uh the mirror in slow motion there's just loads of cool moments lots of unrealistic stunts here you know ruins stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh i see what you did there <laughs> 
maybe tune into our last episode if you haven't heard that yet. Yes, was getting his own back. <laughs> Anything else on this fight or again, summary and score? A four for me. Like this is a no holds barred uh, fight. This is, a, you know, it's a really, really great fight and you feel like you've earned it um, as an audience. And, you know, like you said, like this is the Warriors, uh, you know, of the Warriors asserting their bobbing credentials, if that's a word. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a five. I think like these guys and the Lizzies are the ones who give the Warriors the biggest run for their money for me. And this, this is a fight that really shows what the Warriors can do, but they're also almost evenly matched by these guys. Yeah, I went with the three. I think this is true. Yeah, I think this is the probably the best fight, but I don't feel like the punks are as memorable as like the base, baseball furies or like the scene itself wasn't as memorable. So I kind of ranked them like for my favorite scenes. And, and this is like the third one, baseball furies, orphans, and then this one. So I uh, put a three. Then why did you rank the orphans so low? Orphans are <laughs> shit. Yeah, but I like the scene. I just didn't like the orphans. I, I, I like, For me, it was more like the, the scene and the encounter. Yeah, fair. For me, this one's a five out of five. I think this one shows how good the Warriors are when a fight is even. Like, there's similar numbers. Both groups have got weapons. The Warriors take a few heavy blows, but ultimately beat the piss out of the punks. It's violent and it's hard hitting. And here, the older gang members of the Warriors really shine. And then we go into our final showdown. Warriors versus Rogues versus Rifts. Round six and seven. Fight! <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the rogues i think let's let's merge them because this whole scene runs together but first of all we see luther we see the rogues they turn up in their their own little tank what do we think Warriors, come, come out to play. Yes. the iconic moment it feels it? like this is the point where luther is really starting to totally come apart and break down like you know whatever he was high on at the start of the night is really like wearing off now and uh, <laughs> you know he uh, he needs like something he's really fucking dangerous too like yeah. in the park he took the shot and killed cyrus in this he is ready to shoot swan yeah scav, you know yeah, he's, whatever he's you know unhinged man. totally totally i mean i th i think again this is another great build up and you really feel like this is going to go off and then it never really and comes. it doesn't yeah it's yeah. very anticlimactic this scene i think i mean i would have liked to have seen at least swan versus luther in sort of you know just those two yeah shoulder you know luther fighting dirty and swan being like in real peril and then getting the upper hand on um, on luther or the rifts turning up or something like that. i don't think you can though because i think at this stage like we're rooting for the Warriors, and I think if Swan had killed Luther, it's like, oh, that's not cool. So really, he gets the, this the most incredible knife throw there's ever been <laughs> to disarm Luther by flinging it and stabbing him in the forearm. And Matrix dodges a bullet, apparently. And they get to walk away proud, you know, clean-handed. And before we wrap it up, though, I think we should come back because the build-up to this encounter is sick. You've got, like, the, the rogue stalking the, the Warriors in this car. We see Coney Island. We finally got back, and day is broken. And I really like that in this, Coney Island is peaceful. a shithole. It's a complete shithole. Well, it is peaceful, but it's a sh everything's broken, everything's run down, it's full of litter. And even Swan has that moment of like recognition, like, fuck, like we fought all night for this. Yeah. And mm. you look at it, and it, I think it shows how like pointless this gang mentality is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I like the audacity of the rogues as well. Like sure, they just man. wander straight onto these guys' turf yeah. in pursuit of these nine guys, fully aware that probably elsewhere in Coney Island is hundreds of other Warriors gang members and they're just coming straight in. I like yeah. as well when Luther's in the car doing the glass bottle thing, Warriors, I thought, oh mate, you're odd, sitting in your tank, shouting. Yeah. But like, <laughs> anyone can do that. Surrounded by all your guys. There, yeah, yeah, exactly. Get out, mate. <laughs> and, and while he's doing that, the Warriors are fucking arming up. Tooling up. Yeah, yeah, tooling exactly. up, man. <laughs> that Warriors moment goes on for just that bit too long and it's like it's, it's almost unnerving getting like, uncomfortable at the yeah. same time yeah, exactly. even Louise was like oh shut up yeah. <laughs> like, and, and like you said that the rogues have stepped up on warrior's turf that is 
bang out of order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have liked to see see some of their like the warriors other gang members like kind of show up to the scene or something like but all pile see, in yeah. over the mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the backup? Like yeah, where's yeah. the backup? Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah, but it's like what 5 a.m. or something. 5 in the morning like they're at home sleeping, <laughs> yeah. you know. They got jobs in the morning. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I got work in an hour. Yeah. I can't yeah. make it. You guys got this. You'll be all right. You can't run an operation like that. You need to have like people on a shift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't come up. My shift's finished in a minute. <laughs> Some of my favourite cinematography happens through this scene as well. It is funny because the whole film's at night and it all looks great. But when daybreak happens and you see these sort of morning misty shots of Coney Island and the warriors coming out of the shadows and stuff, it just looks fucking cool. And the slow moving like rogues car behind the warriors as they yeah. walk through their home turf. Like, this is sick, man. These It's things like this why I love Walter Hill. It's just so moody and tense. You know, the movie starts at night and, you know, uh, you know, like most of it is played throughout the night and then it's only at the end sort of where you think that you know safety is coming that that's when daybreak comes and you know daylight comes in and everything like that but then there is no safety because they put daylight comes and the warriors are home <laughs> <laughs> i also like this is where you kind of hate luther because like you know he's been this unhinged prick and he's caused all this trouble and when he does face off with swan like you said he, he doesn't even Seriously. fight him yeah no. and he yeah. like it's like come on man throw your fucking fists up like let's yeah. do it's it it's a bit anticlimactic isn't it or, or, or not even anticlimactic it just reminds you that he's such a worm oh yeah totally. like are oh, you little bitch you're gonna get a gun out <laughs> like I hate him yeah. yeah I mean he fully gets what he deserves right yeah. but it would have been nice to have just seen him just a little bit they more. didn't stand a chance he whines like a child as well oh. and the rest finally have him he's like no it no, wasn't no, nice no. it was the warriors yeah. I, I love that <laughs> somebody moment. call when, my mom when the, when the riffs <laughs> arrive and like they just treat the warriors with such respect and you're yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. real the good best. like we're the best so mm. fucking the second yeah. time in the Punch film we the see sky. someone get elbowed to death <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was in the beginning as well, right? No. Yeah, Cleon yeah. gets elbowed to death, and then yeah, Luther gets the uh, it's, so silly, oh, no. it's so silly the way they do it. Like, <laughs> oh, that's probably where the bopping it comes 12 from. Twelve to six elbows. <laughs> I actually didn't make that connection until I just said it. But yeah, Luther is killed in the same manner as Cleon. It's almost like revenge, uh, yeah, in yeah. a way. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. So I guess there is some poetic justice to it, maybe. Yeah. And then we break out into that. What is it? A Joe Walsh song and, and yeah. everything like in the city. Yeah, and I. Tears of joy running down my face as the warriors walk into the sunset or into Aww. the sunrise. Sorry, they fu they fucking made it. It's like the Terminator Two thumb scene, isn't it? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know now why you cry. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene just before it all kicks off when uh, Mercy says to him like, "Oh, I go traveling." And he's like, "When have you ever traveled?" She was, like, oh, "I know I'd like it." Like, just, and that's what I imagine they do after this. Like, yeah. someone's just like, yeah. "I'm done. I'm going traveling." When he gets back to Coney Island, he has that moment of awareness. Like, what what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. So him and Mercy, doing? they're off to have a good future, man. Yeah. Pair of pricks. A quick little score and summary for this one, and then we'll do the score for the action scene. I think for this one, nothing really happens here, but the yeah, Warriors no, were yeah. ready. They had no fear. They faced off, and Swan's throw was fucking legendary. It's good. The gang will be talking about that for years, but the interaction is a two out of five. Uh, yeah. For me, it's a one out of five. It's, it's my least favorite encounter. Nothing happens action-wise, but I like the scene. I like the suspense. Yeah, yeah the yeah, suspense exactly. is there, but it's just very anti anticlimactic for me. Yeah, uh, totally. I would have hoped there would be like a final showdown or like some sort of brawl, maybe with the rifts, like maybe some fighting before they understand that the warriors are the good guys, like to see them more in action. But I feel like it's matured. 
Like the whole film has been yeah. fighting, and at this point, it's like yeah, it's yeah, about sure. respect. It's about honor. Yeah, as a film, as a film, it works. It's like if this was like the typical action film, like this would have been like the main. Everyone is fighting each other, like on the beach. Yeah, you know, fair. Could have been a super cool scene. Yeah, the same for me. It's like great build up, little show. So it's only a one uh, for me. It kind of feels like we should have had at least one final fight between Swan and Luther, at least. Uh, but it just never, just never materializes. But so, the yeah, knife throw. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it a two based on the knife. Yeah, though. man. For sure. Yeah, but it that. would be nice if that had come like after at least a few blows would have been yeah. a knife <laughs> throw. <laughs> it just feels a little anticlimactic to me. And for me, it also confirms what you kind of really already knew throughout the whole film and that Luther's just a whiny little bitch. Yeah. yeah. It's a wimp. Tell you what, if it had been a pencil throw, oh, there you go. A fucking <laughs> pencil. pencil. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, I know we've just given scores for that bit, but action. Let's summarize this scene. Uh, Dan, I'm going to start with you. What do you think of the action? in the warriors yeah man so i think there's not an awful lot of action in the film most of it's about tension that never really breaks throughout the film it's about this journey but when the action does come it kicks off and it's it's great fun you know people are being thrown stabbed bitten hit with baseball bats. there's even an explosion in there yeah, yeah there's just like lots of cool stuff and it feels really gritty and quite grounded and I, I did read somewhere that with some of the scenes particularly the baseball furies fight they had to introduce music to that scene because without it it felt too realistic and too gritty uh, and too much see bjorn which i think is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool for me it, it's a four i think there's just lots of cool stuff going on here that's it nice one bjorn over to you yeah, I'm going with the three. I think there's definitely some um, some nice action in this in this film, but there's yeah, like the encounters with with the gangs. There's except for the punks, there's not really much of a challenge or like a nail biting. Who's gonna win? kind of action scene like especially I would have liked the the baseball furious to be a bit stronger than they were and there's no like real nemesis or final showdown that that really would have bumped the score up uh, a little bit more so I'm going with the three honor honor save the day um yes but yeah so what have we got here we got orphans furies lissies punks riffs rogues like everyone is out to get the warriors and when they do get cornered and tired of running from these wimps as Ajax so eloquently <laughs> Uh, puts it they do put up one hell of a fight and yet despite their gang colors there is a lot of running and not much actual uh warrioring warrioring is that even the word? <laughs> it is now yeah yeah and that actually disappoints um a bit so when the action does erupt it's loud it's brutal it's un uh, it's unflinching but the teasing and promise of more action and brawling just starts to wear and tear um, a little bit at your patience as a viewer especially at the final con the, the final confrontations which just sadly just does not deliver on what you feel is owed uh so for action, I'm not going to go higher than a three. Oof. Um, chases, beatdowns, guns, glass, and baseball bats. This film is nothing more than style and action. We spend the first half of the film chased by thugs before spending the second half of the film kicking the shit out of them. For me, it's nothing but fun, and I'd give it a 4.5. But I need to know, was it any good? So we've been through all the category and now it's the film itself. Any overarching thoughts of what we've watched of the Warriors, of this cult classic? Something I didn't touch on in the action, but I guess it kind of fits here, but something I did notice with this film after a couple of watches that I really liked is there's the very kind of prevalent sound of footsteps throughout the mm. whole film, like trainers and boots on concrete, almost like a marching, like these are the army of the streets and that is just all the way through the film and it's, yeah, I thought it was cool. Mm. I think the sound in general is sick. I think the production yeah, yeah. of this film is awesome. The visuals, the sound it's soundtrack no, it's i just, really like the sound in this a little tangent off the film but i think what i really believe about this film is and the the, the 
influences had on later things in particular video games now i know that rockstar games actually made a warriors game but i also think the style and the mood and the suspense and the atmosphere of this runs in the core of rockstar's games like manhunt mm. is the warriors the warriors mm. is the warriors state of emergency is the warriors even quite a lot of grand theft auto mm. feels like the warriors and i imagine there's a lot of different films and games that like I just feel like the style and mood of this film has influenced so many creatives ever since it's it's unreal it yeah. kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier on in um, in style that you will recognize elements of it like even if you haven't seen this movie you will recognize like elements of it like oh that seems familiar like somehow and then this is sort of where it all originated from I think this I think this is what has made it quite timeless um, and I think this is what will make it also endure further as we sort of uh, go on yeah and, and the way it will be endured as well I, I think it's like it's lovable it's got so much heart Do you yeah. know what I mean it doesn't try to be real and it doesn't necessarily try to be of its time it just it's this world that's been created yeah. for the warriors to live in it's like the costumes and the silliness and the names it's, yeah, it's, it's just created this bubble I think the film like you say is timeless and it's also like it's culturally significant as well though because it, it captures kind of a culture in a time that is just kind of not remembered anymore like mm. you know the 70s like we've already spoke about how new york was really dangerous in the 70s and 80s and you know it's, it's not like that anymore so i think yeah the film has a lot of uh, significance yeah. in kind of in capturing it that. has some mood to it for sure this film and it's mm. like, yeah, yeah for definitely. sure I, I caught onto the Warriors much later, maybe during the 90s. But um, people who saw it in its original original release, they don't necessarily like the director's cut where the comic panels have been added. They prefer the theatrical where it's not there because they're like, you don't need the comic panels. But I actually like those a lot because I think they add this layer of sort of fantasy to it mm. where it's like, you don't have to take this seriously. Do you know what I mean? It's like, the, yeah. I think the comic panels yeah. present this vision of let go. This is a story. Yeah. Yeah. In that though, there's like something where the film is like, you know, they say it's in the future and I, I don't think that's needed. No, like, no it doesn't feel future futuristic the film actually feels of its time so they, i think they should have just kept it yeah, yeah. like i'm also like i've seen both the director's cut and the theatrical cut and i don't really think i mean the to me you don't really win like anything much with the um with the director's cut and the director's cut it kind of tries to sort of put it into into sort of like this is very much a fictional story and it's based on this old uh, ancient greek myth of the uh I can't remember the uh, you know the warriors of the battle of Anabasis. Yes, the story you. is called Nerd. <laughs> what I've actually found again, sort of doing research here, is that there actually was an event very very similar to what happens in the start of the movie, like with this uh, this conclave that actually happened in New York back in the early seventies. I think it was called the Ho Avenue Peace Meeting, which was a gathering of again like all the New York City gangs to try and broker a peace after uh, one of the very high ranking uh, gang members had been killed. Again, trying to uh, make piece uh, with all the gangsters so you don't really need to ground this as this completely fictional you know this also works if you look at it sort of through the lens of reality like this is very much also a scathing view on new york and society in the 70s um, also so one is not better than the other but yeah i just think it's interesting sort of they sort of try to do you know separate things so so i agree i don't necessarily think one's better than the other but the reason i think the comic panels works now is because i've totally forgotten what i was going to say Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think if you don't have those, too many people will say, "Oh, it's not realistic." Oh, the fights don't look real. Yeah, oh, it's silly. Stunts exactly. So I think at a later time, 
by adding comic book frames it's admitting this is not don't bother throwing that it's not realistic argument at me mm. it's not realistic mm. and that you know maybe at the time it was better to have the theatrical but yeah. I think if you showed someone this now and it wasn't set up as fantasy people be like this is just fucking silly yeah. so they, they say it is I think silly. there's an, uh, an interview with Walter Hiller who says the intention actually was always to have those comic panels but the budget wasn't available for them in the 70s that's why they were added later I think it's sick personally yeah. you know, like, like Yes said there's no right and wrong but I am pro comic panels personally I think they add a flavour to it that I think allow, allows it to do things I've only seen this version so that's how I know it I had actually never seen this movie until we did it as a movie night at yours in London, oh, no so. way. we've mentioned uh, the game a few times um, and the game was actually how I discovered the Warriors um, in the, um, in the first place uh, the movie and the game is one of those rare instances where a game adaptation of a movie actually like really works to a point it tries to retell the story of the movie in the later part of their game but it also spends a lot of time in you know sort of building up towards those uh, those events so you, so you get to spend a lot more time with you know Ajax, Snone, Cochise and Cleon uh, even and also get to hear some of their backstories and get to explore a lot of um, a lot of New York and you know do some bopping with some of the mm-hmm. some of the other gangs so mm-hmm. if you really like your good kind of beat em ups and if you're fascinated by the world of the Warriors then I definitely think that the game is well worth checking out uh, even now it still really holds up I second that a friend and I played it loads the game is sick yeah like you guys let's get online one light and let's play the, the Warriors it's sick that would be fun that would be so another fun. thing we haven't mentioned throughout this whole podcast which I really think has to be mentioned I think the radio presenter and the music are such a tight mechanic that brings yeah. style and ties the film together it is so iconic having that really tight close up of the lips talking into the mic mm. hey yeah. Warriors like it's like you know spoiler free it's been replicated time and time again it's a love letter to the past you see it in modern films and they're clearly saying we love the warriors yes mm, it's for sure a really really stylish thing and i think it's almost you couldn't have the warriors without that if you say the film the warriors to people they think of that woman speaking into the radio yeah, like yeah exactly. and again you mentioned the music and the soundtrack the soundtrack is you know awesome uh, and really fits this kind of kind of strange kind of almost like dreamlike world that the warriors inhabits which yeah. of course on so many levels I, I'm particularly keen on the music as well because I I really like sort of I, I'm I love electronic music and the birth of it. And what's interesting is when this was made, you can tell that rock hadn't really gone, synths hadn't taken over the world yet. Yeah. And it's this fun soundtrack where it's very rock heavy, but synths drown out everything with this strange ambience. It's this mm. really cool merge, yeah. and that is a moment in time right there. That soundtrack, that ambient synth for me made me think of uh, the band uh, Goblin, who worked a lot with Dario Argento and also most famously did the soundtrack track for Romero's Dawn of the Dead it felt very similar to yeah. that yeah also going back to the Rockstar references they have ridden that soundtrack style up until today they still copy that soundtrack style oh yeah definitely anything else on the film or let's wrap up with scores and a summary there's one last thing uh, yeah, I think please. it's worth mentioning um, because it is really part of the um, the allure of the Warriors that the uh, the director of photography cinematographer his name is Andrew Laszlo and uh, he did an absolutely sterling job on creating the look and uh, you know the world of the warriors and he also did first blood and deliverance um, as well Sick. both great looking films a really, really talented uh, photographer there all right um yes but i'm gonna stick with you for the final score please okay so for the final score here we go so rough tough bastards as they may be <laughs> the warriors they do seem to be doing an awful lot more running than fighting and at times it feels like they should be called the runners hey, hey. <laughs> 
But when the fights they do happen, they almost erupt into this explosion of violence. Like it's loud, it's brutal, it's unforgiving, it's unflinching, and it's very enjoyable. And yet I still don't really consider The Warriors as an action movie per se, because it's not actually the fights that stay with me, or indeed what I think most people will remember from the movie. Instead, I think what lingers with you long after the closing credits is the world of The Warriors um, itself. It's this strange depiction of a New York that's sort of, you know, teetering on the edge of chaos and the people, some of them almost like creature like that inhabits it, I think is what really stays with you. Combining this with the cinematography, the direction, the music and sound uh, design, the editing, um, like all of which is super tight. And I think this is where the true fascination uh, with this movie lies. I think this is what has made the Warriors stand the test of time. And I think this is what will ensure it endures still for years, um, for years to come. It's the world and it's the craft, but it's not the action. Like the action's not really the focus. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's why I'm not land. You know, I am landing on a 3.5 for the overall movie. What's weird about that? I know, I know what the score section. What's weird is it is totally an action film if you think about it. It's just that that's almost overpowered by how stylish the world is, like you, like you said. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's that that you know stays with people. It's not so much that oh that amazing fight. I mean, I, I personally sort of disagree a little bit, but I do totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors is a is a cult classic, and I think like with what Jesper was saying about you know how the film is uh, remembered for its for its style and and for its feeling and its tension, I think there's also another element there with with the story being just a classic story of triumph over adversity, which is always gonna win in uh, any kind of movie situation really for me it's like the, the greeks this tale that it's based on you know about a bunch of guys who are coming together and fighting through uh, an ordeal and, and and coming out the other side fine there's a happy ending there so i think it's quite a positive tale despite the fact the film is very gritty uh, and violent and i think as well as you've already mentioned the film has uh, cultural significance as well which i think is really important i do feel it's a little bit dated in some aspects and also maybe some of the language and attitudes expressed mm. in the film might not Agreed. hold up so well under a modern lens mm. nowadays. Um, but otherwise, I think this is a Stone Cold cult classic. And the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. So for me, it's a four. Bjorn? Yeah, I'm str- struggling with my score a bit because I really like this this movie. I mean, I've watched it, you know, I also watched it first time at your place. <laughs> I, basically, everyone I know, I just invite yeah, them yeah. and say, hey, come <laughs> and watch <laughs> The Warriors. So you introduced me to this film and, and uh, yeah, I do like it uh, as a film, but like when I try to think about what kind of score to give it to me, there there are some flaws to this film that I feel, the, I, I guess it's the direction it wants to go with. Is it like the grittiness or like the, the there's certainly some parts of, of that that, like the grittiness and the dark side of New York, but there's also this kind of humor or like comedy aspect to it. It doesn't, for me, feel like the direction is what it wants to be, the film not quite there for me so that's why i'm kind of struggling when i you got to score i want it. to give this a higher score yeah i want to give it a high score but do it i need some support <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, going, I'm going oh my <laughs> what i ultimately ended up with was a 3.5 but it's very close to a four yeah okay look you know this is going to be a five from me yeah <laughs> but by now like we surely know the type of film i enjoy simple stylish cool and a little bit fantastical the warriors hits all the right notes for me it's macho silly fun with great costumes, great music, and a beating heart, a bunch of bad dudes fight their way across New York City. That's it. Five. Interesting, the scores. Can you count, suckers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can't. Yeah. Definitely not. Talking of being able to count, let's try and wrap this one up, and we'll uh, come back with some scores. Are you our ultimate last action hero? Heroes. 
Unfortunately not. At the moment, our current leaderboard is looking like T800 and Sarah Connor from Terminator 2 at 95, Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China at 83, and John Wick from John Wick at 82. They are our 1, 2, 3. And sadly, the Warriors only land down in 7th place with a 75 points. That is just below Tequila Yen in 6th from Harboiled, and just above John Rambo from First Blood in 8th. Sad for me, I'd like to have seen the Warriors in the top three, if I'm honest, but <laughs> I get it, you guys hate them. No, I don't, no, I don't <laughs> hate them. Too late, you've, you've done your piece, mate. <laughs> Just as action heroes, yeah. What I do think is funny is that Jack Byrne held the top spot for ages and is now in second for a long time and he's basically riding on his cruise. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. In the background, we don't need to edit this out, but something has just gone dramatically wrong with my recording, so I'm going to try and fix that. And one of you <laughs> is picking the next film if you'd like to uh, jump in and save me. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go with one of the films from my childhood uh, which is uh, that never works out well for us like. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to play out but uh, the film is uh, Broken Arrow uh, I think it's from 1996 it's uh, John, John Woo which is our second John Woo is yes. it John Wick? Is it? Yes, it is. John yeah. cool. I've never seen this film. I know the video cover. I remember the poster and the cover, but I've never seen the movie. It's the one with the stealth bomb on the front, right? Yes, exactly. yes, yes that's John one. Travolta and Christian Slater. Yeah, that's why I remember from that, this movie is John John Travolta is uh, as the nemesis and the soundtrack to this film, which I believe is by Hans Zimmer. Ah, yes, ah, cool. should be epic. Also, I had a bit of a crush on Samantha Mathis. Ah. <laughs> but she's no Gina Davis, right? She's no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's not hot pirate queen Gina Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> this going to be another episode where Bjorn just thirsted after the. No. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> that was more innocent. <laughs> Alright, guys, I'm going to wrap us up because we've hit the two hour mark and we'll probably ask Niall to edit this one down a little bit. Thanks for joining me. Another great episode. I'm glad we got to talk about the Warriors because, as you know, that's one of my favourites. And, dear listener, thanks for sticking with us and we will catch you next episode. Reviewers, give us five stars. Can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs>